Welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 42 of TLDR Podcast. We have a crazy good episode in store for you today as we covered the really cool NHL trade deadline, the top NBA and MLB storylines of the week, and the big question of why as human beings we love sports. But as always, we got to check in with the guys and see how they're doing. Tyler is finally back from traveling the world once again. How's it going, man? It's good. Glad to be back. Sorry I missed last week, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely doing good. Baseball is back in full swing. Um so that's awesome watching baseball every night. Uh, gotta love it. So yeah, doing great. Glad to be back with you guys uh, doing the podcast. How's your baseball team doing? Your LMU team? Uh, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> so not good. No not good. <laughs> uh, but, but we did win the series this weekend. So that was a positive, but that was like the first series win we've had in a long time. So hopefully, hopefully we keep it going, but yeah, it's been a little bit of a rough, rough go of it, but so love my job, so that's all I can ask for. Be better, Tyler. Be better, yeah, dude. Trying, trying. <laughs> Alex, are you feeling nervous, dude? It's hockey playoffs this week for fantasy, and I'm playing you. You sweating? Is it really? Uh, Fuck. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, not really. Um, yeah, I'm twelve and one, or whatever my record is. So <laughs> should should destroy you. Not too worried about it. Beat Tyler in fantasy baseball. Start off strong there. Fuck. Uh, you know, have the best record in fantasy basketball. Pretty much, it's all coming up, Alex. Right now, somebody you're gonna Alex. cry when you lose. I probably will. I'm probably gonna lose all of them somehow. <laughs> you're gonna lose. I play you twice. I think I play in basketball too. Yeah, so I'll probably, somehow I'm gonna lose them all, even though like consistently I've been the best in the two most recent ones with Eric and hockey. Just, just how it works out, you know. Yeah. Uh, speaking about Eric and hockey and stuff, Eric is back again, and this is now two weeks in a row. It's great to have you on, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I didn't realize we're in the fantasy uh, hockey playoffs. I like almost forgot to set my lineup today. So thank God I did. Wish you didn't. Uh, You're just playing some scrub yeah, team. Anyway. Tyler. Hey. Um, yeah. James, if you take Alex out somehow, some way in fantasy hockey, it should just be a full sweep for me to get to the championship oh at all. Cause I think that'd be the only, why does nobody have faith in me and my team? I, I took, I'm in third place right now. Like I'm not a bad yeah. team. Yeah, I know. Me and you have had some battles. Um, the Masters was good. I didn't really get to watch much of it, so. But I got to see the end, which was probably the most important part. It's like the end of a basketball game. Like as long as you see the last like five minutes, you can pretty much know everything that happened. So that's a good way to watch golf too, I guess. <laughs> that's the only way Alex watches golf. Right, hey, buddy? I watched some golf. I watched some of the Masters. Hey, hey. It, was on, it was also part of the 2019 one because it was on a weather delay at the time I turned it on. But hey, yeah, the, 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 the key there is that you watched it by choice, it wasn't just on, you happened to be watching it. Okay, to, to be fair, the, <laughs> the brewery has only basic cable because we've been closed for so long, so there's no reason to pay for like extra channels. And at two o'clock on a Saturday, there's not much going on, and the Masters were on, so I was like. Nice. There you go. But yeah, I did turn it on willingly. That is yeah. true. Hey, that's a big step forward. Yeah. We'll <laughs> uh, last but not least, Trayton, talking NHL stuff today. But life is pretty hectic for you, man. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Um, <laughs> visited my family um, and hung out with them. Uh, the an NHL trade deadline kept me kept me busy this morning, um, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, I'm no longer in fantasy hockey. 
Um, I'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, and congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama. That was an amazing Saturday. Um, I mean, that's really what won you that won him the tournament His Sunday was, eh, but his, uh, his Saturday was killer. And that's what, that's what won him the tournament. So it's congratulations, Eric. I mean, it's been, I feel like he always is in the top 20, if not top 10, it's just about time. He actually won one. Huh. Yeah. I never mentioned his name either. So of course he wins the masters. Um, good thing I didn't cover, uh, cover it last week. Cause I probably would have, would have not mentioned him at all yeah. and he would have won. Yeah, congratulations. I would have said the Dustin. But congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. So full disclosure disclosure. I thought that this year's NHL trade deadline was insane. But then trading goes into our group message and is like, oh yeah, it was mediocre. So it just leaves me sitting here <laughs> questioning my life and everything that I know. But anyway, trading, tell us all about it, man. Yeah, I mean, so today the uh, the NHL trade deadline ended at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, three p- three uh 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, and I, as, as you mentioned, as you already kind of alluded to, I mean, it was kind of a, a hectic weekend. The day of was, it had some good stuff going on, but I mean, I, I think that we talked about this, that, you know, the prices were, prices weren't, um, were going to be low. There's not a lot of money, you know, that people are, uh, that teams are able to, to do much with. And I, I just didn't see as crazy stuff as I thought. I think, I think that when we get into it and we get into the individual trades, I think we'll, uh, We'll, we'll kind of nitpick the the interesting parts but um overall i think it was it was good but it wasn't it wasn't insane um and so but we'll get to that before we get to that um i'm not even gonna say what the scores were last because or for fantasy because it doesn't matter you four boys are all in the playoffs um and that's all that matters so i'm just get, i'm actually instead of recapping last week we're gonna set up you guys' playoff um uh, for, for round one, um, Tyler, you're taking as the fourth seed, you're taking on Eric right now. You are getting destroyed, but it is the first day. So early. early. Um, you probably don't have a goalie that's played yet. I don't. Um, yet. So there you go. Uh, same thing. Uh, second seed, Alex is taking on a third seed, James, James, again, you're getting killed, but I think it's early. You haven't played a goalie. So. All four of my goalies played today. So I had to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> Did you make the right one? I Tyler, think you made the wrong the, ones. <laughs> as the one who created the league, can you tell? Is it two weeks of playoffs, just like football? Yes, two weeks. Okay, so uh, I'll gi- I'll give everyone the updates um, after the first week next week. Um, but now we're we'll just get into the trade deadline stuff. Hold up a second. Yeah, that what Alex was saying that that might actually be worse having all four goalies playing and rather than none because it's happened where like you you don't know if they're going to be playing or not because yeah. especially with the season, there's a lot of back-to-backs and things. And like, it'll say like they're playing, you, you have them starting and everything. And then you just see like your other goalie on the bench had like 89 points. And then your starter had like zero cause he didn't fucking play. Yeah. So it could be worse actually. I don't know. Yeah. It, it could be. It's plus you give up a cup plus you give up a roster spot that could go to a player that could otherwise be playing that day. You know, it could be anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, but you guys, I'm not going to try and like say that how to do it. Cause I don't clearly don't know how. <laughs> um, so we're just going to get into the trade deadline stuff that I actually, you know, can kind of follow. Um, starting with probably what the biggest trade of the day of the weekend was um, we saw Taylor Hall get traded. We all expected this um, Taylor Hall was tra- um, tra- Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar went to Boston 
um, in exchange for Anders Bjork and a 2021 second round pick um, to Buffalo. And Buffalo also retained half of Taylor Hall's salary. He only has one, one this last this year left, so it wasn't not like it's a huge deal. They needed to do that so that they could at least get the trade done. Um, so I asked James to take a look at this trade. Uh, he was interested in kind of breaking this down. So you know, from the you know high high level, what do you think of this trade for uh, for Boston in particular? Oh, dude, Boston came away as a clear winner of this trade. Yeah, I think that the Sabers are literally just trying to get rid of people and trying to amass draft picks or whatever just it's a complete rebuild for them they're getting rid of everybody except for jack eichel which is weird because they probably should have gotten rid of jack eichel right eric yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, regardless of the fact <laughs> um he went for a second rounder which is a relatively low price for somebody of his caliber but as you had alluded to multiple times in this podcast he is not as good as he seems and his career low shot percentage is proof of that as of this last season i think he's shooting at like 2.3 percent which is crazy bad. He has two goals on the season, but he has 17 assists. But on the flip side of that, he is explosive and he's a gifted playmaker. He can skate really, really, really well. Um, he's not, like I said, not the best goal scorer, scorer, but he can find open lanes to facilitate. And as Trayton, the hockey guy, has mentioned multiple times, Boston needs help with everything else except for that perfection line. Like that first line scores everything and nothing else does work. And he's... Taylor Hall is going to be on that second line as a left winger. And he's going to help David Krejci a bunch. Uh, Krejci is a good passer, so maybe that good passing will help Taylor Hall be a better uh, scorer. Who knows? Um, one of the other things that I kind of looked at was the scheme that the Bruins run. And they run this scheme that's kind of old school, but it's like they get the puck in deep and they cycle the puck. Hall doesn't fit that system at all. Hall is more of a running gun, more of a new age. Let's go fast. And I think that could be beneficial for the Bruins as a whole. Um, this makes the second line defense or the first line defense, they have to react differently to them. Because typically when you play the Bruins, you know what you're getting. It's the same thing over and over and over again, and people can defend that pretty well, unless you're on the perfection line. But now with Taylor Hall being in there, it adds a different wrench to it. Makes a, a little a different twist to, now you have to defend somebody fast and who can play well. And I just want to see how this turns out. I think that he, in the next couple of games, will probably triple the amount of goals he's already had i mean he'll go from two to eight so <laughs> like this could be possible and i'm, uh, I'm excited to see how much better he is. he's going to be playing for a team that's actually winning playing for a winning team changes your mentality you have something to look forward to playing on the sabers you're like i go into work every day and do what yeah. what's the biggest goal here for us to rebuild no nah, he's trying he's playing for a cup now so this is going to be different it's gonna be nice to watch yeah, that is true um look i, I think the biggest thing that 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 sticks out for me is the second round. Like he, he, he went for a second round. We look at other players and we'll get to the, we'll get to them next that yeah, went for first rounders that in my opinion, I mean, aren't even close to heart trophy winners in this league. Um, do, I mean, do you, do you think that, I mean, is it clear that there wasn't any value in this guy, even though he is a former heart trophy winner? I mean, do you think it's kind of like highway robbery on the Boston, um, I guess, on the Boston side? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bad season for Taylor Hall this year, and he's playing on a bad team, so who can blame him? Everybody on that Sabres team has, is having a bad season right now. Was, look at the record. They're just a bad team, bad coaching, bad, bad organization. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to play that well, and with the numbers he's putting up and that really low shooting percentage, 
it was going to be hard for them to find value in that. Um, so I think they got what they could and they tried to get rid of, rid of him early so it wouldn't be that much of a headache. They're blowing it up, man. Like, why fair. keep anybody who's not going to be of value to you in the next couple of years? That's fair. Um, and I guess, I mean, Buffalo needed to do anything to get something from him, to your point. Um, but uh, as a, uh, when it comes to Curtis Lazar and Anders Bjork on the Curtis Lazar side, I think that's just a depth move. I don't think there's anything to really, um, you know, point out there. Anders Bjork is going to play f- play for Buffalo, and hopefully he'll he'll play a bigger role on on that team. Um, but you know, to end this one, Taylor Hall's two two goals, 17 assists for 19 points, dash 21 on his uh, um, on the season. Um, I do think that he's going to add a, some secondary scoring that the team needs to your point. And I think that Dave, I mean, David Krejci is an amazing hockey player. And I think that it's, he's going to, he's going to benefit from being on a player, being on a line with that, with that type of player. Um, my last question for you is does Taylor Hall get anything close to an $8 million cap hit on his next contract next year? Uh, if I know he wants to stay long-term in Boston, he's come out and said that he's willing to sign another contract with Boston. Um, if he plays well for the next couple of games and they win a cup with him being a pivotal part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he might even get more than that. Just depending on how he plays. I like it. Um, that was, that was the big, that was a big blockbuster trade. In my opinion, we, everyone was just waiting to find out where he was going and he's going to Boston and uh, good luck, I guess. Taylor, I'm not really a Taylor Hall fan, especially as a, you know, he played for the Oilers and he just was kind of an issue to, both on and off the ice. Um, but I hope that he can, you know, find some success there in Boston and, and give them a chance to go for a run. Um, the next big one, in my opinion, was the Nick Foligno trade. Um, he captain, former captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I'm going to break this down before I ask Tyler about it because it's a three-way trade. So it was a little bit interesting. So Nick Foligno was traded to Toronto I'm sorry. It was, tra- it was ultimately traded to Toronto, but they actually, he actually came through the San Jose franchise where San Jose actually retained half of his salary. So Steven Nosen, um, so how it breaks down everyone, here's how everyone got their, got their craps. Um, Steven Nosen went to, um, went to San Jose uh, and Nick Felino ultimately went to San Jose. They retained 50% and then flipped him over to, um, to Toronto. So Toronto gets, I'm sorry, Toronto gets Steven Nosen and Nick Foligno. Um, in exchange, um, uh, San Jose gets a fourth round pick in the 2021 draft from Toronto. And the Columbus Blue Jackets get a 2021 first round pick and the 2022 fourth round pick from Toronto. So basically how this worked is San Jose, so, so Columbus needed someone to retain the salary to make it work because Toronto could not take all the salary. Uh, San Jose was gladly... Um, uh, gladly raise their hand to take the, to take the um, um, salary because it's not very much. And they just netted a fourth round pick out of it. To me, it was a very smart move for them because they just had to pay a couple thousand, couple hundred thousand for a fourth round pick. No problems. Um, and the, so the main trade was um, Steven Nosen and Nick Foligno for a first and fourth round pick. Tyler, let's look at it from the Toronto side. Steven Nosen and more importantly, Nick Foligno enter the Toronto Maple Leafs locker room and that roster. How do you think, what do you think about the Toronto? Uh, what do you think about this trade from the Toronto perspective? Um, I think it gives Toronto a player that gives them something that they're lacking, which is the, that kind of grit, that grinder mentality. 
I think that Toronto Maple Leafs, a lot of high school players that don't really have that hockey grit kind of attitude and kind of style play. Nick Foligno is the embodiment of that. He's one of the best grinders, best just come at you, full grind player in the NHL. Um, that's why he's the captain of the, of, of the Blue Jackets. That's why he was so successful there in Columbus. I think it gives Toronto that edge um, that they probably need to, to move forward. Um, I think especially in the playoffs, having those kind of guys, those kind of players are really going to help you uh, succeed. Uh, for example, uh, well, you know, this season has 106 hits. Uh, the Maple Leafs current leader in hits is Jake Muzzin with 65. Uh, so nearing doubling their next best guy on the team that has hits that, that I think tells you right off the bat, the kind of player that Nick Foligno is along with the fact that he's a bit, obviously can score and can make plays and can help you out with, with, with the goal scoring side. He's also a great de- defender as, as a, as a forward. Um, I think this is a, a great pickup for Toronto. Um, I think it's going to make them better. Um, I think, like I said, I think it's almost more on the intangible side. This is style play that's going to help them more than it is the actual stats on the um, stat sheet at the, at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, look, s- Toronto's going for it. Um, yeah. James, you're bang, you're bang on. Um, you, you, you called it last, you called it a couple weeks ago where we, where you thought that Toronto was going to be the one from the North to go for it. And they were the one to go for it. Um, and, and to get Nick Felino to get that type of player to your point, Tyler is a huge pickup because he look, he's a fan favorite in Columbus because he's, he's what Eric would call the glue guy, the, 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 the guy in the locker room that just everybody loves that he gets up and plays for games. Um, he works his ass off. He gets in the corners. He's doubling the best defenseman in terms of hits, which is insane as a forward. Um, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And and I, I think that clearly Toronto really, really wanted to find that type of player because they, they traded him for a first round pick. And going back to the last trade, does anybody think that Nick Felino is a better player than Taylor Hall as a hockey player? I don't, I don't think anybody can come on here and say that to my face and, and honestly think that. But clearly his value is better than Taylor Hall, just what he brings to, the, brings to that team. I just don't think he's not a better hockey player. He's just more valuable for what Toronto needs. Um, and so I, 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 I agree with you. And my, my last question for you is we know that Nick Felino is a big, I mean, this is his last year of his contract. Um, he's going to be UFA after this year. So this is more of a rental situation for Toronto. Do you think Nick Felino is going to find his way back to Columbus next year? We've seen um, it happen. Um, I don't think he will. I mean, why? Give me one good reason why you want to play with Columbus right now. I, I don't, you know, there's 30 other teams in the league, obviously a bunch of them you don't want to play for, but I think there's better options. I think there's teams that are going to want that kind of player that are going to pay him more money and probably in a place that he's going to want to play more. Now I'm not saying there's a 0% chance to go back to Columbus, but if I was Nick Felino, I don't know if I want to go back to Columbus. I would probably want to explore other options, see if there's a better fit, definitely test the market. I feel like there's probably a better fit for Nick Felino out there. Um, so if I was a betting man, I'd say he does not return to Columbus. And even if there was a new coach in Columbus, because Torts is probably he's probably gone, dude. Let's be real, Torts is probably gone by now. So even if there's a new coach, you don't think he's gonna come back and reunite with that same fan base and the same teammates that he loves? Like I said, he might. You know, I think I think there are a lot of things that have to go right. Um, but as we're sitting here right now talking about the podcast, I I don't see it. Um, but I, like I said, it's possible. But 
you know, I don't know if I was him, I would look for a new start somewhere, uh, get going. Obviously he's been a huge part of that franchise, but you know, they trade him away. Obviously I understand it's, you know, just part of the game, but Hey man, I, I, I think it's time to, tur- to turn the page and find somewhere new to play hockey. I like that. Um, I'm going to play the other side and say the guy's eight, 33 years old. Um, I know that he has a home in, in Columbus and he loves it and he loves the fan base. The fan base loves him. I would not be shocked if he signed there again to just finish out a season. I, especially if, if Toronto wins the Stanley cup, because, you know, he went, got his cup and, and now he can just go kind of, you know, sit back and, Oh, I'm, I'm good. I can go live my life in Columbus where he seems to like it. I, although to your point, if torts leaves, I do wonder what they're going to do with Seth Jones, who is a huge Tortorella fan and huge, um, who is a huge part of, of Seth Jones's kind of time here in the NHL. And if Seth Jones is gone, that team is not, is, that team's nothing. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think it's a lot closer odds than, um, than we like to, than we think, but cause we've seen it happen before, but um, it, it will remain to be seen. Um, and I, I guess see I mean, Seth Jones to the Kings, something like that in the off season. That would be pretty huge. <laughs> That'd be pretty huge. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that in the summer. If that happens, I, that would be shocking, but it, 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 I've seen crazier things. Who knows if you guys got a Seth Jones, I would be, uh, you guys are on the right I'd be track. happy. <laughs> I would be too. Um, although he's a franchise defenseman there. I, I, he's going to be, he's going to have a cost a lot in a, in a trade there. Um, um, and I guess really quick, are, you think Columbus did a pretty good job in netting a first round? And I think that's a pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, they have now three first round picks in the first, in, in, in 2021. Um, I think they're definitely setting themselves up. I think they have nine total picks in the 2021 draft. Um, so yeah, they're definitely setting themselves up for the future. I think it was a win for them as well. Love it. All right. Moving on to the um, biggest trade for the Kings fans, I would say. And, Alex was very quick to talk to, to bring this up. He was so fired up. He texted me individually, been like, "Hey, I'm taking the Jeff Carter trade, so we're gonna get right into it." Alex, it's all yours. I'm gonna first. Yeah. I'm gonna explain the trade really quick. Go for it. Jeff Carter is going to Pittsburgh um, in exchange for a 2022 third round pick and a 2023 conditional fourth round pick. Both of them are conditional. They're kind of conditional on how many games he plays, both in this year's playoffs for that 2022 pick. And next year's season in the 2023 pick, I think he needs to play about 50% of the games. And then actually those, those picks become second and third round picks respectively. Um, in exchange, LA Kings did retain half of his salary uh, at 2.66 or 2.6 million. Alex, as a Kings fan, what are yeah. you thinking right now? It fucking hurts. Not going to lie. <laughs> Jeff Carter was my boy. He's my favorite player on the Kings. Um, you know, he helped lead the team to two Stanley cup championships. Um, that amazing three Oh comeback against the sharks in the 2014 playoffs. So it sucks, but you know, he's 36 years old. Um, you know, he's only got 19 points on the season. He's definitely not the same guy he used to be. Um, and he gets a chance to go for another cup. So, you know, I take one of my, uh, buddies is like a huge penguins fan. And I text him I'm like, well, guess my penguins fan now, like I'm in. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, it, it does kind of help the Penguins in a way. Um, you know, he is traditionally a center but can play on the wing. He has played on the wing with the Kings before. And, you know, when you have Crosby and Malkin, who are both centers, you know, getting wing scoring depth is always going to be a positive. Um, you know, I'm going to – it's going to suck missing him. But you know what? If the Penguins are down 3-0 in a series, don't worry. You have Jeff Carter. He's done it twice. So – that's super helpful for the playoffs. Um, But yeah, you know what? He he's 36. He's definitely not the same guy he used to be, but he can still skate. He can still score. Um, He's still the hottest player in the NHL. There's no doubt about that. Um, Man rocket. He's a man rocket for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is a gorgeous human being. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to miss him Um, on the Seth Jones thing. Totally separate. Never going to happen. Um, <laughs> as much as Eric, as much as I would love to see it. Yeah. Like they were, the Kings were rumored to be in like, if the Sabres were going to trade Jack Eichel, but the Kings have the second best farm system in the league right now. They're not about to blow that up for Seth Jones. Yeah. And I, as much, I love it, but I just, I don't see it, but we don't want Jack Eichel either though. We don't want him. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah anyway like i hope then and now i hope carter plays well and is successful and then those conditional picks become better picks so you know it's actually you want to then now root for him yeah because he has had a lot of you know a fair amount of health issues um the last couple of seasons so if he plays enough games those picks get better for the kings and they just add into that insane depth that's you know coming up yeah um i so you have them pegged. So I'm going to look on the Pittsburgh side really quick. You have yeah. him pegged as a winger, or do you think that he's going to fit that 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 third line center? And then you have a. I mean, I've always talked on this podcast. You build through the middle. You're going to have yeah. Crosby, Malkin, and Jeff Carter. That is an elite three line center. That is an elite. I I think it's just I think the that he can do both is more of like what the okay. benef- beneficial side is. Like looking at their roster. Like every one of their forwards is a center. It feels like half of them are centers. They obviously all can't play there. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, You know, I don't know the Penguins as well as I know some of the other teams, but um, you know, I, you know, and Malkin's been hurt and I still think he's hurt. So probably right as he lines up now, he'll probably be a center since Malkin is still out. Um, But also like, wouldn't you want like pair Jeff Carter on a wing with either Crosby or Malkin? Like, yeah that he's still got a good wrist shot. You know, he's never been like a big slap shot guy, but he can still snipe it. Um, and, you know, and looking at, you know, we talked about this, the mutual mass mutual East is at the beginning, we thought was going to be the hardest mm-hmm. of the divisions. It ended up kind of falling apart. And like yeah. the four teams that are in are going to be the four teams that make it, but to get through Washington, the Islanders and Boston, Pittsburgh's going to need Jeff Carter to be playoff Jeff Carter again. So, yeah. Um, look, I, 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 I agree with you because, because of the fact that Jeff Carter is a very flexible player and that to your point, he could play a third round, he could play a third line center, but he could also take over um, on the wing. I would say he'd probably fit better with a, with a Malkin type, just simply because I don't know how you can break up the Crosby Gensel Russ line. They're just like that. They're that's their first line. And I, it's just, tough to break that up there those are three solid players um so i I think this is actually a huge pickup for them and i think that i think he's signed for one more year so they get him for another year at half of his salary um i like this trade on the pittsburgh side but i actually like it on your guys' side too 
Um, just really quick, the conditions for the 2022, it, it does get upgraded to a second round if, they, if the Penguins reach the Stanley Cup final and he plays in at least 50% of the games. Um, and then for the 2023, it does become a 20, uh, third round if he plays in, 50, in at least 50 games of next season. You presume he's going to be able to do that as long as he maintains some sort of, you know, resemblance of what he is normally like. So I think you guys might see some upgrades on some picks, which is a huge move for you guys. Um, I like I like it from your guys' perspective because I think we all can agree. You know, you guys need to get younger and get faster. And unfortunately, Jeff Carter is just past that. If you guys were in the Pittsburgh position, you're not getting rid of him, but you're not unfortunately. Um, so I will, I want to ask all the, all the, um, uh, the Kings fans, um, you guys, the big question was whether Alex Eiffel was going to be traded yesterday or today, or if he was going to sign, it turns out he signed a four year, 4 million per year contract to stay with the Kings. I think that, uh, I mean, I, first of all, I want to ask what you, what you guys, what you Kings fans think of that move. Uh, I'll start with Eric. I like it. I mean, I like I follow. He's been loyal to the Kings because he like when he started with us, it was like the downfall. We got mm. swept by Vegas, even though that series was like a one goal game every fucking game. The most frustrating series ever. But that's like, you know, he had a first year of playoff experience. And then, you know, the next year they were terrible. Last year they were terrible. This year they're a little bit better. They're still not good. But He's remained loyal and he's remained pretty consistent with them during these times. So I'm glad. I think he deserved a contract. Um, he's kind of like, I don't know, he's learned a lot from Kopitar. He seems to kind of mirror Kopitar's game. Um, and, you know, anyone that does that, the Kings are going to respect you. Absolutely. Uh, Tyler, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I like it. Um, he's, the, he's a guy that not a lot of people talk about. Um, He's part of being kind of that Kings new core, um, but he definitely is. And obviously the Kings think that too, uh, inked him to a four-year deal. So they, they trust in this guy. They believe in this guy. And I think Kings fans know that he's a legit part of this future. And I'm really, really excited that they sign him through it. Um, I think he's going to be huge. You know, hopefully the Kings, you know, get good enough. And I, like, I, I, I want to see him play on a bigger stage. See, see how he goes in the, in the, in the playoffs. Um, I, I think this, this guy's going to be big for us going forward. I like it. Alex, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I like it too. Um, yeah, Tyler's right. He was kind of the first guy of this wave of young players to come in that are kind of, you know, taking over as this new young core. Um, and he's really kind of like a Swiss Army knife type of player. He plays good defense. He scores a little bit. He's a good passer. He can hit if he needs to. Um, yeah, so he he kind of does follow off of Kopi's uh, mentorship or whatever. So I like it, you know, um, another four years to develop, another four years to mesh with these young guys that are coming. Um, and yeah, I think that it's a good, good signing for the Kings. Yeah. I like it at 4 million a year for four years. I think that's solid signing. James, do you want to add anything as a Ducks fan or do you, should we just move on? Yeah. I don't even know who this guy is. So <laughs> Fair enough. No idea. Um, finally, before I just name off like some random trades without really analyzing them, um, Eric, uh, I'd asked Eric to look at this one. He, he was pretty, uh, he wanted to talk about this one. Um, Sam Bennett, was, was traded to Florida alongside a 2022 six round pick in exchange for um, prospect Emil Heineman and a 2022 second round pick back to Calgary. So, to, so it looks like the Calgary flames were able to move up 
uh, get us a second round pick in next year's draft for Sam Bennett, who has been, hasn't been able to find a good stride in, in Calgary. Um, he is an amazing um, playoff player, but uh, Eric, give us your idea or give us your thoughts on this on, from the, from both perspective, Florida and Calgary. Exactly what I was thinking. Actually, he's an amazing playoff player and the Florida Panthers are going to be in the playoffs this year. Um, and, you know, they've turned things around. They got Joe Quenville, Joel Quenville, um, a couple years ago, the, you know, Stanley cup winning Blackhawks coach. Um, and you know, he's now he's kind of getting guys in there that had the playoff experience. They got Yandel, um, you know, Barkov needs some more playoff experience on his belt, but this guy, as you mentioned earlier, is going to be a big glue guy for him. Um, he's not, you know, really a scorer, but he's like that, that ratty style of a player that you kind of need in the playoffs. He's going to grind out goals. He's going to fight. He's going to hit the shit out of guys. You probably are, you probably are happy to see him out of Calgary, not just throwing dirty checks on your Oilers. Um, you probably hate this guy. Don't you trade him? I don't really hate him. I, I, I actually always felt bad for him because he just never, he, I always thought he was one of those players that actually would fit well under a more of a hard nosed coach. And he never, he never really got a chance with, uh, with his past coaches in Calgary. I thought he was actually going to get a chance with uh, Daryl Sutter, but it looks like they moved on, but um, yeah. So yeah. you think this is a huge pickup for, for Florida? You think this is I mean, I don't more? think it's a huge pickup, but I think it's like exactly what they needed. I mean, it sucks that they lost Ekblad. This, he's not going to replace the presence of Ekblad, obviously defensively, but getting a guy like this to, to fire up the squad in the playoffs, you know, like you said, stat wise right now, he's doing pretty bad, but um, he's going to be in the playoffs. He's the, he's the type of guy that could flip the switch. Here's the biggest knock on this guy that I found out earlier. Uh, he was picked one pick before a guy named Leon Dreisaitl. You ever heard of him trading? Yeah. Uh, Calgary could have picked Leon Dreisaitl, but they picked this guy instead. So, yeah, that that's a stat that that I will oh, I I will throw in every single Calgary Flames face. Um, we all know that Dreisaitl <laughs> is arguably a top ten NHL player in the world. Uh, former MB, MVP last year, and I mean he he's amazing. He's in the, he's second in scoring. Um, completely different types of, of players, right? Yeah. Um, but Eric, to your point, I think this is a good pickup for Florida. Um, I think it was cheap pickup. I mean, uh, they're they're looking to go for it. Um, and I think that this is a I think this is a nice pickup. Uh, I don't really have much to say more than that. Calgary really needs to figure their shit out. I think that we can agree on that. Um, like they're in they're in trouble. Um, this this was a year for any of those Canadian teams to really give it a shot and they completely folded. I thought they were going to make the playoffs and they aren't even going to come close. Um, so yeah. Um, I think yeah. this was a, this is a big move for them. Uh, or this is a move for them to kind of get something from them. Um, just to finish up a uh, couple, couple names that kind of got thrown out uh, in terms of trade, Washington acquired Anthony Mantha from the red wings. Um, interesting move there. We all thought that Anthony Mantha was going to be moved along with Tyler Bertuzzi. It looks like Bertuzzi did not go anywhere. Um, I have uh, Dmitry Kulikov from the New Jersey Devils went to Edmonton for a fourth round conditional pick. Um, just shores up some defensive depth on the Edmonton side. Um, any th there's that's kind of the major ones. I mean, I think we kind of got gone through it, James. Um, and David Savard went actually. That's a big one. David Savard from the uh, 
Columbus, they traded him off to, to Tampa Bay for another first round pick. Uh, so Columbus has some, has some picks this year, this year, guys. So, uh, to Tyler's point. So, um, that's all I got. I really appreciate everybody, you know, chiming in. This was a long one, but I, I always enjoy talking hockey with you guys. Love it, Trayden. You, as you guys were talking earlier, I was thinking about how we did like the predictions for each division at the beginning before the season started. I think you should go back and kind of oh, see that right. Yeah, cool. in, in, I think I won. Once, once so, we set up the playoffs, I'm definitely going to do that. Definitely. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk sports. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a very long time since Eric has had a segment, so I'm pretty pumped for this one. Today, we talked to the big question of why we love sports. Eric, it's all you. Yeah, so I was like, I was driving to work a few days ago, and I'm like, I don't know, just pondering the world as usual. And, and I'm like, I work in sports. I watch sports all the time. I think about sports a lot. James, you work in sports. You talk about sports all the time. Tyler, you work in sports. Uh, Alex, you you worked with sports as well. Um, Traden, you coach sports. So why do we why do we love sports so much? Like I just really want to know why. Um, and first first question, like what makes us pay attention to sports? I mean, we made a damn podcast about it. It's our main topic of focus every week. But, like, why are sports our main focus, James? I think it comes down to four things, and it's four pretty big things. I think it comes down to competition, community, nostalgia, and entertainment. So for the first one for competition, it's, like, people love winning. People love to succeed, and they love to brag. So whatever gives them that edge to do so, they're going to take that, take that bait and do it. Uh, for community, one of the biggest and most basic human needs that everybody has is community you want to feel a part of something and you don't necessarily have to be part of the team, but you can be part of a fan base and you can be empathetic towards the team's successes or failures. So whatever they feel, you feel and being part of that community makes you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that's key. And people who don't have community, like they're not real human beings. Right, Tyler? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's an alien, everybody. We Tyler is an alien. Um, also, in terms of community, it gets fans to bond with one another. Like you, can, you go to a game and then you can be best friends next to some guy who you don't even know. And then you just talk about the game the entire time, crush a couple of beers, and all of a sudden you guys are homies. Or if you go to the bar, the sports bar, same thing. Uh, sports brings upon friendship. Next, we go to nostalgia. And a lot of times people can track sports to bonding with a family member. Or it reminds you of a simpler time. Because many of us started watching sports at a young age. Like for myself... Whenever I watch Lakers games, I think of me and my dad watching Lakers games. Like my dad worked three jobs. So his time off, he'd watch Lakers games. And that's what I would do too. So that's why I love basketball. That's why I love the Lakers. It's nostalgic. It makes you think of a simpler time. And I hope that one day I'll take my kids to a baseball game and they can remember me crushing hot dogs and beers every inning. You know, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> and lastly, we're going to go to entertainment. People live hectic, super stressful lives. So it's allowing us to take an hour, two hours, three hours out of our day to just get away from it and it's not bad like you're not doing drugs you're not like you're, you're watching sports you're rooting on a team like 
you're being part of something bigger and that ultimately doesn't really affect your life unless you're betting profusely on it but it allows you to get away from like real world problems in a pretty positive way so basically you said sports are our main focus because we don't do drugs yeah no. i mean yeah no, i'm fucking with you no, i do that's... Want to ask one thing though yeah I mean, james you, i i while i agree with 100 everything you said uh, it does seem like you're really focusing on team sports. So do how do individual sports kind of fit in that framework in terms of why we love them? Because not everyone loves, you know, team sports or not everyone loves team sports. Some, some really focus on individual sports. I think for the most part, it all fits. I mean, competition can be still be seen in a singular sport. That's fair. Community. I mean, you can go and you can root on Rory. I mean, he didn't make the cut this time or Dustin, you know, Austin to make it up. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, the entire Japanese community rallied behind um, Hideki. Hideki this entire weekend, like community right there. He's the first Japanese born player to do so. Nostalgia, same thing. Like It doesn't have to be a team sport. It can be any sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I use a different word in, instead of uh, community, I said culture, same, very same, same thing basically, but like, you know, our upbringings as well. Um, which goes with the community, you know, like maybe to answer Traden's question to like tennis, you know, people who love tennis, like maybe their parents got them into it when they were kids. And then that was their main sport. They always played, you know, so they know a lot more about it than they would football or something like that. Um, and then like one other random thing, like I didn't get into hockey until 2009. Um, I picked the right time to get into it though, because that's like when the Kings started, you know, just catching on fire and had their runs. Um, I didn't get into golf till like 2014 probably. And now it's like all I ever fucking talk about, you know, people get sick and sick of hearing me talk about it all the time. Like everyone I'm around. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, it takes up a lot of my time now too, but I was just like, that's what I was thinking too. When I'm driving, why the fuck do I like these sports so much? What the hell? Like takes up so much of my time, but those, those are some good deep answers, James, as I would expect from you. Uh, next, like, so the world changed dramatically a year ago during this time. Um, it's pretty much what gave us an idea to start this podcast. If you think about it, um, you know, we were like meeting up, hanging out, always debating sports. And we're like, damn, we should just record this shit and make it a podcast. Um, but you know, all sports, all sports were affected and, and somehow changed. Um, but how important were sports? I would say before this whole pandemic during it and after Alex, I was, I shot this question over to you. Yeah. I mean, personally for me, like, obviously I was a huge sports fan before it meant a lot to me. Um, you know, what I did every night, you know, I got home. Oh, it's from work. It's July. Cool. The Dodgers, Dodgers are on. Let's watch Dodger game, eat dinner and drink three beers. Like that's what I did. Um, and then when it stopped, you know, because they pretty much all stopped within about three days of each other. Um, I think everyone, and, you know, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm sure you, most of you guys feel this way as well. It, like, you, we really started to appreciate what sports means to you. You know, if you had a, if you had a bad day, you come home, you know, the Kings won 4-2 over the Sharks. Already a better day. Like, your, <laughs> your day will turn around, and we missed it. You know, baseball was the first one to come back. Um, and it didn't, and it was still, what was it? Four months or something of just nothing. And 
I mean, I could literally tell like, okay, I'm home from work. Oh, there's like no game on to watch. What, like, what do I do with my time? Um, and then once everything started back up, you know, with the social injustice movements and how much these players are generally respected by their fans and what they mean to people. I mean, you see, you know, you see kids get an autograph from their favorite player and they like immediately like break down in tears. So I think having sports come back, I mean, it means not to everyone, obviously, but it means the world to a lot of people, um, you know, people get buried in their favorite Jersey, you know, these cub fans will went to visit their dead relatives saying like, guys, the Cubs finally won the world series 108 years later. Like sports means everything to people. And I think it's something that has helped us move through this pandemic and will help us continue to move through it as we're hopefully getting, you know, towards the back end of it. Um, you know, I think people like James and um, trading going to the angels game, you know, they were talking about it last week and just how great it was to be like at a baseball game and drinking beers and eating hot dogs. So it's, it helped us get through the pandemic and I think it will help us move past it once we're done. And I mean, and everyone was, everyone's going to be so stoked when there's 50,000 people, you know, in a, in a stadium again. So it's been yeah. a lot. I mean, just go to Texas and go to a Rangers game right now. You're basically in just full go full mm -hmm. fans, but yeah, it, like you're saying, it kind of taps into the nostalgic component. I just like want to say something real fast. Yeah. Sorry, Eric, but Joe Musgrove for the Padres pitched a no hitter in Texas with a full fan base around it. And I don't think that it could have gone down any better because a full entire stadium of people got to watch him throw a no hitter. Yeah. And that's the first time that's ever, that's happened since all this came went down. I think that's really cool. Yeah. That, that so that's a sign that every stadium should just get full fans again, huh? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> get your pitchers to throw it out. Um, yeah, Alex, those are all really good points. Like, pretty much what I was going to say too before, like, before this virus, it's like sports were just as important as we always thought they were. Um, like you said, it's like, you, you know, you're like, oh, you're getting off work early. Oh, shit, I'm able to, you know, it's four, it's almost four. I know hockey starting hockey games started for the east coast games and you know from saying four in the west coast obviously but um the east coast games are starting at four for hockey and basketball so that's a bunch of games you could watch and that's every day you know during those seasons baseball too every day there's games going um football you know it's like your your main your sundays now thursdays obviously mondays too um except when you're playing when fantasy then it's every day Sometimes yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. So set your lineup. That's always important. Um, <laughs> during during this whole shutdown is like when we realized really how important sports were to us because literally they all came to a complete all, like you said, within days of each other. Um, and then the worst part was that every sports channel was playing reruns. So they're playing all the nostalgic shit James is talking about, like, you know, they're showing like, oh, this day, like last year was when Kawhi made that buzzer beater game seven against the Sixers on the Raptors. Like, and you're like, fuck, man, like the NBA playoffs should be going right now. But they're not like you see, you know, block slap shots, top 10 highlight dunks, cheating baseball teams, everything, you know, all that was gone. Um, and then at, after it, after the whole the whole virus and aftermath. Um, it was replenishing to see sports return 
it was weird as shit seeing that there was no fans and the no fans is really a big thing you know like james just pointed out the no hitter full fans that's epic that's that's what we need that's what's going to get sports back on the map i think i mean i don't think sports going anywhere now but um a quick little fact check to end this rant 25 percent of nba player salaries come from the fans i heard that like in a meeting a couple months ago and i was going to mention it on here but i forgot and now i remembered to mention it tonight but that's you know 25% of an NBA dude's contract is probably a good amount of money I'd take that money um all right let's move on <laughs> I just went on a trading rant right there great insight um let's move on to the next little topic we we all seem to have our favorite sports but why um you think like cultures history holding a metal stick as your main equipment, et cetera. Um, and Tyler, I direct this to you, but what are the things that drove us to liking our selected sports? What are the things that drove you to loving baseball, liking hockey, et cetera? Yeah, I think when people ask me, why do you love baseball so much? My immediate response is, why don't you love baseball so much? Um, it's just kind of a thing that I've always grown up with. I'm, for example, my first Dodger game I went to, I was 10 months old. Um, so I literally like all I remember as a kid in my, was going to baseball games um, and, and playing baseball in the backyard with with my dad. And it, it was just it was part of my upbringing. So for me, it was just it was embedded in me to love baseball. Um, so that, that for me is just how um, I grew up with it. So for me, uh, it's just natural for me to like it. Um, the reasons why, if I really have to think about it. Um, it's kind of the, it's kind of the little things about it. Um, I think being at a baseball game, like going to a game, um, just the sights and the smells of everything. Um, it's kind of a more of a romantic sport. And I know that's kind of like a weird thing to say about it because, you know, sports supposed to be manly and, you know, all that stuff, but baseball is a very romantic sport, which, you know, I really appreciate. Um, it's, it's just it's it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful game. Um, just the 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 sights of, of of the field of the grass of the dirt, of the blue skies during a during a day game. Um, the smells of the hot dogs and and the beer and you know just the roars of the crowd and all that stuff. It and the 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 sounds of the bat and the and, and the pop of the glove. Um, just it's it's all the little things that I don't think you really ever point out obviously when you know your your team hits a walk-off home run of course that's awesome you know or a pitcher throws a no-hitter that's great um but it's even on bad days you know where your team loses 10 nothing you still appreciate those little things within it um so for me I'm sure you guys all feel the same about the sports you like it's all about it's kind of about about the little details of it that for whatever reason you know attract you to, to like that sport and for me, ba- baseball, it's, 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 it's all the, the little details. And I think um, for a lot of people, that's what, what really uh, gets you going. Dude, that sounded like you were reading like a poem right there. <laughs> it was very romantic. It yeah, was like exactly. a lot of similes, metaphors. But no, I agree with you. Like, I think the same way, like going to a hockey game, like hear, when you hear them passing that puck around, trade, and I know this gets you riled up, um, just the noise of the puck slapping on the stick across the ice. It's so loud, but like, they're like cradling that puck, whipping it around the boards. Like the hits are so loud. 
um, a goal gets scored, everyone jumps out of their seat, you know, the horns go off. But yeah, I mean, the one random thing, another little mini rant I'll say is something that drives people to liking selected sports. It sounds arrogant, but money. Um, You think about lacrosse, hockey, golf, even baseball, there's equipment involved. Um, Hockey, especially, it's pretty expensive, you know? Um, And when you're young, you know, like it, it, it takes some money to spend on that. Like it's, it's a lot of commitment. Um, basketball, you can just show up to a park. Um, someone will probably have a basketball. There will probably be basketball hoops. You'll probably have shoes on your feet, hopefully. And you could play basketball, you know, you don't need a bunch of gear. Soccer is similar. Um, but yeah, you know, money can, can uh, change the sports that you play growing up, um, depending on your resources, things like that. Um, but here's one other random thing. Why we're so hyped on sports. Like has sports ever really been boring to us, Tyler? Would you, have you ever been bored of like watching sports? Uh, oh, yeah. Cricket for sure. Is, Tennis, dude. I don't know what it is about cricket. <laughs> I've, I've honestly given it an honest effort. I've tried to learn the rules. I've tried to understand it. it I'd, what are you doing? I don't, you're playing, you're playing in a rectangle on a circle with this weird paddle and most of the time you miss it and you don't, I don't know. It's kind of like baseball, but not even like baseball at all. If someone can get me to like cricket, like that would be one of the most amazing accomplishments of humankind. I, yeah. I don't, I don't get cricket at all. That's probably the one time, the only sport that I honestly genuinely think is extremely boring. Although, other than that, I, I can find excitement from pretty much any. any I think there's plenty of sports that, I think there's a few sports that are boring, but I've been bored watching a hockey game. I mean, there's some boring hockey games out there. There's some boring football games. There was a boring playoff football game, for Christ's sake. And James can probably attest to that. He said it. It was a boring game. Like, it, it happens. But yeah. more time, more than likely, it's not boring. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was trying to get Tyler to, to answer, but he didn't answer that. So. <laughs> All right. Um, he's too busy being inside bread. He's too busy worried <laughs> yeah. about cricket. Embreaded. Uh, <laughs> he was embreaded. English is hard, guys. Dude, um, for this segment, can you get like you need to like I'm gonna Photoshop like a piece of bread, bread with his face on it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly so, like I'm Romeo doing. and Juliet when he's like talking about the poetry stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, a new word. So, last but not least, Traden, I got a question for you. Sports create many roles and jobs. Um, many skill sets can be involved outside being an athlete. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, me, Tyler, James, Alex, even trading your fiance, we've all either worked in sports or have worked in sports. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of time involved during seasons. Your everyday life is spent working with sports. Uh, sacrifices are made. Um, but what would be your ideal non-athlete role working yeah. in sports? Um, th- thinking about this, my, my first thought as I'm in the, as I'm in the finance game myself, um, I would want to get into, you know, the business side of, of, of not only just professional, but there, I mean, you need, you need business operations and, um, throughout it all and, um, throughout all levels of, of the sport. So I, I would immediately go there. Um, it's, you know, that's my skill set. That's what I'm, and you get to be part of the organization and, or the, and the game, but more, I think something that just kind of brought up regarding the resources stuff that you were talking about earlier, something that I've always wanted to do and focus on is making hockey more accessible to the 
you know, the, the people of lower, you know, lower income, lower, um, you know, that don't have the resources that the, you know, I was blessed with. Uh, and this game continues to get more expensive. And in, in my opinion, it, it could attract the best athletes in all of sports. I, I don't, I, if, if hockey was more accessible here in the United States, I wonder how many of the NFL players we see play hockey instead. And the game would be, I can't imagine what the game would be like then. Jalen um, Ramsey. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey or, or, you know, I look AJ at it. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, also, I also look at yeah. the speedy side. I look at a Tyreek Hill. I mean, I can't imagine the type of player he could be if, if, you know, if he, if he was born with a stick in his hand. So, um, <laughs> so my, 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 I think I would want to focus. I think I, I'd like to focus on, um, the, you know, giving back and, 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 and creating, you know, a charity or, or part, being part of a charity organization that, that was mainly focused on getting people, you know, put, put skates on their feet, putting sticks in their hands and playing the game of hockey and giving, giving access to, to, to a game that otherwise some athletes just completely, you know, let fly by the wayside because it's just too expensive to, to play. And I think that that, that would make our sport, it would grow our sport and make it a, even better than it already is. So you're talking business ethics. Business See, the ethics. thing about business is <laughs> that's a great movie. Madison movie. reference people. Fantastic um, movie, by the way. But uh, yeah, that's a good answer. Of course. Uh, me working on the business side would be terrible. I don't, don't know anything about business. I'd probably drive an organization into the dirt if I worked on the business side of things. Um, I, I could see you doing good though on the, on the business side of things. For me, my ideal role is basically what I do now, but working with golfers, surprise. Um, like I'd be down to like start a gym for golfers. James, would you be down? That's a thing. It's like in Newport. That's like yeah, a TPI place. or whatever. Yeah, but we should start another one, a better one. It's sponsored by like Puma or something. Who knows? But um, I'm done. yeah, that's that's all I got on our little uh, conversation about why the why the hell do we like sports? Like, what the fuck? Why do we why do we like it so much? I still don't have like an answer, but I'm I'm searching for it. It's always there, man. And as a <laughs> listener, I think that you're searching for it too. But I hope that we helped guide the way to you know you finding the answer but when you find the answer let us know we'll be listening we'll take another quick break but when we return we're going to go to basketball welcome back ladies and gentlemen the play nba playoff picture is getting clearer and clearer by the day and as that happens the storylines keep getting better and better Alex, what happened in, in the NBA last week? Yeah, a lot happened. Um, but as always, we'll do the uh, little fantasy recap. First, um, I won, obviously. Uh, James, you had a heck of a week as well. You won trade-in with a win. Uh, and Tyler lost, so that's embarrassing. Three Tyler, now? Does it even matter? We have – so we have one – yes, it does trade-in, and this is why it matters. So we have – this is our last week before playoffs start, and – Currently, James and I are locks. It's not going to matter. But Tyler and Garrett are both tied at eight and seven. And the beautiful thing is, Traden, you're playing uh, Garrett, and Kylie is playing Tyler. 
So <laughs> one of the two of you are going to be spoilers and you're going to kick one of them out of the playoffs. That'd be awesome. Um, obviously, Please I hope win. Tyler gets kicked out of the playoffs because I think wow. that would be funnier. Wow. Uh, personally. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so down, we'll, yeah, we've got one more. We've got one more week and then we'll get into the playoffs with that. Um, it's been a it's been a fun ride. All, all of our first times playing fantasy basketball had no idea what we were doing. Um, but yeah, so the storylines for the NBA this week or this past week, uh, I don't really want to talk about this because it's bumming me out, but we kind of have to. Um, LeBron and AD are still hurt. Uh, they've got a little bit of time to go before they're, they're back. Kyle Kuzma's missed games. Andre Drummond has already missed games. and He's been a Laker for about four seconds. Uh, they are currently, the Lakers are currently in the five seed in the, uh, in the West there. They're about three and a half games up on the Mavs to be the to then fall into that play-in tourney. Um, you know, with AD and LeBron out, uh, Tyler, how much trust can we put into this depleted Lakers squad to avoid that play-in tourney? You know, it's getting murkier and murkier as we keep going on and on. Um, I was I got the update on the on LeBron and AD, and I think uh, AD is about. 10 to 14 days away and LeBron's about three weeks away, which was way longer than I thought it was. I thought we were going to get AD back. I don't know, maybe this week and LeBron in a couple weeks, but Nope, they're still, they're still far. I can't even remember the last time AD played in the Lakers uniform. It's, it seems like he's been missing all season, honestly. Um, so these, these, this last, you know, month and a half or so without those two guys um, it's been brutal. Um, they've been, I think their record, they're two and 14 now for their last night to the Knicks. Uh, without those two in the lineup. Uh, so a, obviously a below average uh, basketball team, uh, probably not a playoff team without those two guys, you know, but thankfully when they did have those two guys in the lineup, they built themselves a really good buffer. Um, so they, they were able to put themselves in a position to kind of ba- basically play 500 basketball until they get back. Um, can they stay in that they, they, they fallen from a two to a five. Um, they're, they're struggling. Um, so I think, I think they might fall out of that sixth spot before they get both those guys back. But I think before the season's over, they'll f- climb back into that top six. Um, it's going to be really close. I think the, the two teams that are um, kind of trying to catch them are Portland and Dallas. Um, and then Memphis is right below them. But I, but I think Portland and Dallas are the, are the two threats right there. Um, Portland's, you know, a, a great basketball team. I think Dallas is playing a lot better basketball than they, than they did early on the season. Um, so we'll see. They, uh, you know, the, the schedule coming up, there's a few, you know, kind of stretches I see that are going to be really pivotal for them. Uh, I think next week they have a, a four-game stretch where they got back-to-back against Utah and Dallas. So those four games, so Utah, Utah, Dallas, Dallas. And they'll probably be without both AD and LeBron for those games. That's going to be a rough one. Um, but then after that, they kind of got a little bit of an easier schedule um, and they'll, hopefully they'll have um, AD back. And then hopefully they'll have LeBron back before they go through a stretch where they have, they have in four straight games, they have Denver, the Clippers, Portland, and Phoenix. Um, that's like, like the beginning of the last month of the season. Hopefully LeBron's back by then. It's kind of like that's right around the timetable of when he can return. So hopefully he comes back then. And hopefully they can finish out, you know, the last six or eight games or so on a, on a good run. And hopefully that'll push them into the top six. But yeah, man, I mean, this, this team without those two guys, obviously it's a star driven league. You have two stars on that team. They're both not playing. They're doing their best. I mean, that win against the Nets the other night was, was, was pretty great. 
Um, but it's just, you never know what you're going to get from this team. Um, they're, they're, they're trying their best. I think they're holding down the fort as best they can. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be close. I, like I said, I, I think they'll fall out of the sixth spot. I think at some point within the next two weeks. Um, but then I think hopefully with AD back, hopefully, and LeBron coming back shortly after they'll eventually uh, climb back in, 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 into the top six. Okay. So you're saying they, they drop out, but they will get back in with LeBron and AD assuming LeBron and AD come back in that general timetable that you just went over. Correct. Yeah. They, I mean, those, those Mavs games are going to be pivotal. I mean, if they can win both of those, that's a huge swing. Um, yeah. They, you know, they've been five and five over their last 10 games, um, you know, big win over the nets and then kind of a dud against the Knicks tonight. So I hope that they can, they can figure it out somehow, you know, they are still in that top six. I just think it's because those teams in the bottom kind of or middle-ish chunk of the West just sort of beat up on each other. And then those other top kind of four or five teams just destroy the rest of them. So as a Lakers fan, you know, we want them, I want them back, but you're, you're totally right. It's a very star driven league. And without them, the Lakers will not win a playoff series. It doesn't, they will not win one. It doesn't matter. I mean, what like we we saw that when Kobe got hurt and they still they couldn't get past the first the, the first round with how Dwight Howard and Steve Nash on the roster. So uh, moving on, Chris Paul, he is leading the Suns to a top three finish in the West, most likely. It's looking that way. Um, he's a dark horse MVP candidate. This is now the second year in a row we've seen him bring a team that was. I would say middle of the pack at best into, you know, the top echelon of teams. Um, I don't think any of us expected the Suns to be this good at the beginning of the season. But at this point, I think we have to consider them as a team to come out of the West, um, especially with the injuries to LeBron and AD. You know, that really opens up the West for the rest of the teams. Um, but specifically Chris Paul, James, is it, you know, he's getting up there a little bit. Is it time we officially anoint him as a top three point guard, point guard of all time. Top top three of all time, like all time, of all of of, of all of the times. Yeah, Add them no. all up together. <laughs> top three. De- <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Uh, top three is a little too high. Actually, okay. very high. You can make an argument for top fifteen, but top three, eesh, that's a little untouchable. There's mainly because there's been a ton of great players over the years and the NBA has been around for a long time. And there was a bunch of talent before him. There's a bunch of talent now. Um, a couple points against his case of not being a top three NBA and top three point guard of all time is he's never won MVP. Uh, in his career, he was ranked a top five player one time in a season. That was his highest, was number five. And I think to be considered as the top, one of the top point guards ever, you got to be considered to be one of the top three players of the season. And that was never the case with him. He's never made it out of the Western conference finals. Like he's a great player. He's a great leader. He's going to be a surefire hall of famer. And he's almost out a double double in his career, but most of his work and most of what you're basing his top three thing off of is his intangibles. And that's not going to make a top three position. If we're going based off intangibles, Derek Fisher should be part of that conversation. Derek Fisher had some great intangibles. He was a great leader. Every team he went on, they won. Fact of the matter is he's not even part of this conversation at all. Um, to kind of top it off, I just want to name a couple 
point guards of all time that I think are ranked ahead of <laughs> Chris Paul. And there's a bunch. You go Magic, you go Isaiah Thomas, you got Steph. Steph is the Steph is for sure ahead of Chris Paul, mainly because he's going to break the three-point record and has won MVP and has won the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Uh, John Stockton, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, AI, Jerry West, Oscar Robertson. That's a bunch of names who are, I think are ranked higher than Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a great player, no doubt. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. You can make the case for top 15, but top three, definitely not. Okay, I actually do agree with you. Um, I think for sure Magic Johnson is the best point guard of all time. I don't think there's much of a case to be said about that. Um, I just I just thought he deserved a little respect for what he's done this season. Um, and you're right. The NBA has been – it was a point guard-driven league for a really long time, and then it kind of went to the big men, and now it's being led back that direction. Um, to be honest, Chris Paul might not even be a top three point guard in the league right now with how many good point guards there are out there. But oh man, I do love the D fish thing, man. I forgot about him. I love D fish, dude. Love D fish. Um, you're, you're totally right. Chris Paul, you know, he, and he gets a terrible rap. He's been accused of being a really bad teammate. Um, you know, obviously none of us are in the locker room. We have no idea if that's how true that is or not, but he keeps getting shipped around. He did play on some really terrible New Orleans teams back in the day. Um, could never – the Clippers, you know, when he was on there, could never quite figure it out. You know, he got paired up with James Harden. That didn't go well. Um, you know, and the Suns team is probably the best team he's ever played on in his age 36 season or however old he is. Those Clipper teams were good, but they never – they could never quite figure it out, so – um, I agree with you. Um, just I think he deserves a little bit of respect for what he's done this season, bringing the Suns team into a top spot in the Western Conference. Um, moving on. So uh, speaking of Steph Curry and his team, they're the number two overall pick, James Weissman, has torn his meniscus um, and is likely out for the rest of the season. The um, Warriors are holding on by a thread. I mean, Steph had his bruised ass. So I just like to bring that up. <laughs> uh, they're currently in in the tenth spot in the Western Conference. Um, you know they were hurt all year last year, and they ended up you know getting rewarded with the number two overall pick. Obviously, who then, as I just mentioned, went down. Um, realistically, the Warriors do not have a chance to go deep in the Western Conference. Um, Eric, is it time for the Warriors to? shut it down, start losing, and just reset for next season? If I'm living with the mindset I had like two hours ago, I would say yes. If I'm living with the mindset in the future, I would say yes. If I'm living in the <laughs> present right now, watching them in front of my face, beating the shit out of the Nuggets right now, wow. I might say no. But that's this is one game. But here's the thing. They sit in the 10th spot, like you said, literally hanging on by a thread because this year the NBA is going to have the, the play-in games, right? Is that the seeds 8, 9, and 10 or 7, 8, 9, and 10, I believe? Yep. We'll have play-in games for those last two spots. So if they can hang on, they got about less than 20 games, I believe, left. They're going to have to battle it out. And I feel like all year I keep saying they're not going to do it. And every time I say that, they do battle it out and they win all these close games and they beat good teams. 
Um, but I mean, shit, this, you know what I want to say? I want to say they slip out of a spot and the Pelicans take that 10th spot. Um, cause they're like two, maybe a game and a half back from them. So they're, they're right on their tail. Um, and it's going to leave the Warriors with jack shit accomplished this season. They've had their glory in the past, and it's time for them to feel like the rest of the NBA and lose in a fashion where they don't see the postseason again. But that's what I want to say. But Steph Curry has 50 points right now. He just broke Wilt Chamberlain's record. Um, and they're beating the hell out of the Nuggets, which actually helps the Clippers and the Lakers. But shit let me just finish it with this some notable games that they have left nuggets right now they're gonna win probably (laughs) celtics which they could probably beat the celtics actually because the celtics are playing like shit 76ers that's gonna be tough mavs that's gonna be tough jazz suns grizzlies all three of those like you said earlier the jazz and suns have pretty much been demolishing teams like the warriors um, the Grizzlies will be a battle of a game, but that could be about five losses right there. Five losses too many to make them slip out of a spot. Uh, I want to say, because I don't like the Warriors, that they will not make it. But right now watching them, it just looks like they have a spark. Clay Thompson's on the bench just hyping them up. I'm like, fuck, come on, Clay, stop hyping them up. You're going to fucking get them into the playoffs. But James, I saw you snarling at me. I know you, yeah. you and your boy have Wiggins. <laughs> I just wanted to go back to Eric's, not Eric's, but Alex's like initial question of, do they start, do they cut it and just start losing now? And I say no, mainly because you want to build a winning culture, a culture that doesn't just lose when there's probably no win in sight. You know, Steve Kerr and his staff aren't going anywhere. They're going to stay as the coaching staff of this Warriors team for years to come. And that's a pedigree that he deserves. That's what he's accomplished. That's respect he garners. That being said, he's a winner. And you don't want to flip the script. You don't want to tell your players that now, because we, we, we probably won't go anywhere, let's just start losing. That's going to spread down. It's going to go down to like a game level where now you're down by 20 points in the fourth quarter. All right, let's just stop trying. No, there's always a chance. You can go on a run. You can get hot. You can come back from a 20-point deficit. That's a culture you're trying to build while it's still competing now. Um, case in point, the Dolphins a couple years ago, they were, they started off terribly. They had an 0-8 record, and everybody was saying tank for Tua. Brian Flores said, no, fuck that. We're going to compete. We're going to compete hard. And they did well. And they're continuing to do well now because of the culture that they've set. And they got Tua. Like, they got what they wanted by still playing that the way, the way that they were coached to do and competing day in and day out and trying to get better day in and day out. If you're sending the message that we should just quit now because we're not going to win, nobody's going to try. Nobody's going to get better. And you play this game to get better. You play to compete. That's what sports is all about. Let's do the Sabres. Is that why we <laughs> like sports? <laughs> okay, but the thing, let's say the Sabres thing is that they're going to get an entirely <laughs> new coaching staff. Like that culture is gone at this point. You're right. I mean, so I, I see your point, and but they already have a winning culture. They still have that same staff that went to five NBA finals in a row or whatever it was. But, but I mean, I'm talking about the players. I know, like, but the players aren't the same players. <laughs> I know. But like last year they quit. Steph Curry got hurt. He could have come back and they pretty much were just like, Nope, we're out of it. Let's lose a bunch. 
end up with the number two overall pick. You know, if you go by that mentality again, you still get Steph next year. You hopefully get a healthy Clay Thompson. You get a hope, uh, healthy James Wiseman. You still got, you know, you might those get a LeBron. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they <laughs> I, quit. I just think they were devoid of talent. Like, who on the team now played Steph last Curry season? could have come back to play. He he played three games, broke his hand, and then missed the rest of the season. And they pretty much said, oh, yeah, we're just going to shut him down. Um, or are they listening to the the sports medicine people? Not like Doc Rivers did. But did they listen to the doctor and say he's not ready to play? So let's just hold him out. Well, the fact that they actually came out and said, yeah, he could probably play, but we're just going to shut him down for the season is why I'm saying that. Okay, well, yeah. Like, that, that number I guess, <laughs> there we go. My, uh, question I mean, I'm sure they also listen. Go ahead. My question would be how many how many draft spots are they going to fall back? I mean, what four? Like maybe like is that is that worth it? I I don't know. I, I don't know the draft class. I don't know what to expect. Is it worth it though? Like you're not going to get to the second. I mean, you're way ahead of the Pistons. You're way ahead of the Timberwolves. Yeah. Way ahead of the Rockets. The other problem is with the NBA, it's a how the ping pong lottery. balls fall. Oh, it's a draft lottery it's, as well. It's a draft lottery. <laughs> I mean, it's that's why you there. I, you know, I see that. Yeah, so you you get a small percentage of you know getting the number one overall pick. I mean, they're they're probably too far out of it at this point to actually be in that lottery. But like they're, they in a, they're in a tough spot. It's like if you yeah, do that, they're then, like, they're eh. they're in this they're in this tough spot with where they are in the standings, where they are, what conference they play in, just geographically. You know, I don't, they'd probably be like a six seed in the East if they you know if they were in that conference. So. It was just a, an interesting idea. I mean, I don't think they will do that. I think Steph is, and Steve Kerr are way too competitive. And, you know, I'm not a huge Warriors fan, but you kind of want to see Steph in the playoffs. Like, yeah. how fun would it be? He makes the play-in tournament. They, he, he drops 50 and then 60 in back-to-back games. And you, now You know what would be great, Warriors too, play a series. is if they make it, they'd probably play the Jazz first round. And – that's not an easy series for the Jazz. Like, that's a potential six, maybe seven game series. That's very true. With, like what you just said, Steph Curry catches on fire. He, all of a sudden, he's in the playoffs again. But I agree with you. They're not going to go deep. It'd be nice to see them, you know, tire the Jazz out or something like that. Um, but then I, again, you want to see, like, Zion in the playoffs too. Fuck. So it's going to come down to the wire. I would just say that there's a lot of value in playing. I, I would feel like there's a lot of value for a, you know, Damian Lee or, or a, um, a Wiggins playing with Curry in a playoff, you know, even if it's a couple games, I think there's this value there. You just kind of learn what it's like to be there with a guy who just is the best in the, in the playoffs. So maybe that in and of itself is kind of intangible value that it's not worth, you know, falling back. That's a very good point because other than Steph and Draymond, most of even like I don't think Andrew Wiggins. If Andrew Wiggins has played in the playoffs, it's been one time, and maybe the and they probably got swept in the first round because they're probably the eighth seed. So that's a good point. A lot of those players that they're young team, other than those two guys, and you know most of them have probably not had much playoff experience. Um, okay, moving on to the very last one. This is just kind of the like it came out of nowhere i thought um but alex rodriguez as in a rod the baseball player is now a tyler's already shaking his head is now a part a part owner of the minnesota timberwolves 
he tried to buy the New York Mets and didn't get it, um, you know, early, like in the baseball offseason. We've already got a pretty eccentric owner in the NBA. Well, more than one, Steve Ballmer, Mark Cuban. We got some, we, we got some weirdos like <laughs> owning some NBA teams. Um, trade in. What, like, what do you think about A-Rod? He's now an owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. It kind of feels like the most random team that he could be a part owner of. Um, yeah. Just what are, your, what are your thoughts on A-Rod as an, as an owner in the NBA? It, it, it's interesting. And I, it, look, I, I, don't, I, did, I didn't follow enough baseball to know, you know how much hate A-Rod gets from the entire baseball community. I, I spent 30 minutes watching a YouTube video going through his career <laughs> – as to why people hate him and it, it's stunning i mean i was like hey Rod, he's like everybody like he's a he's a, he's amazing right no i mean not really um <laughs> he's kind of a he's kind of an ass kind of the biggest piece I'm, of shit but with that said though we have to admit he is he has celebrity status he brings some he, he brings some oh, the word the the best i could the best i could bring is some kind of like credibility in that it's someone who actually is kind of a Hollywood S type of guy that's going to come in there and actually make the Timberwolves seem kind of like interesting. Like they're not at all right now. And and players don't want to go to a place that's not very interesting. So he might just bring that star power that, Hey, like this is our new owner. Also his, his partner in, um, uh, his partner in, uh, was, um, sorry, was Mark uh, Lore. His partner Mark Lore is going in 50-50 with him. That guy is a very is a tech savvy guy that's that has a vision, an entrepreneurial vision that just might be what the Timberwolves need to actually move the move the franchise in the right direction. They just need a a fresh eye, something that's a little more, you know, pizzazz. I guess is the word sexiness, if you will. Um, that being said, I think the biggest worry that that fans have is 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 this group going to be, you know, moved to Seattle? Because obviously A-Rod spent his first years in um, Seattle and already there was questions whether Minnesota Timberwolves would be moving to Seattle. Also, with that being said, I, uh, it does seem like the the NBA is, it would be more focused on, on expansion. And that makes sense because expansion gets you more money than moving a team. Like expansion fees are kind of a big deal. So why, why wouldn't you just build a team in Seattle? Um, I don't think that, I, I don't know, but I, I think that that's a, that's a relatively legitimate fear of the fans, but I think that they should be happy in that they're actually getting an, a couple owners that are a little more eccentric, a little more out there, a little more, they, they have some gravitas to them. We hate them. We hate, we hate A-Rod. I understand that, but he just like, he's a celebrity. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a power guy that kind of demands the, the 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 attention and and for some especially i don't mean i, I don't mean to mean this in an offensive way and for the nba that's what nba f- players kind of look like they, they're kind of looking for that that gravitas that you know that's why no one goes to minnesota that's why you want to play in la that's why you want to play in new york that's why you want to play in um you know uh, i don't even know if golden state's the right name but uh, i would say brooklyn you know th- those names are kind of big names and people want people like that and Minnesota doesn't have that. They're the worst team in the league. They're playing awful. They're so bad. They're trash. This might be what they need to give them a little oomph. I'm not saying I like them, but I, I am trying to give some kind of light as to this whole situation. Yeah, I feel that that's a really good take. I mean, again, the, you know, traditionally the basketball season starts in October ends 
depending on, you know, the regular season ends, you know, end of April, uh, mid-May, finishes up, you know, part of the way through June, um, which means you're playing over the winter. And I'm pretty sure it gets cold as fuck in Minnesota during the winter time. So, yeah. Do you really want to be, you know, January 5th home game against, you know, the, I don't even like the Kings and you have to go, oh, great. It's negative 30 outside. We're going to have 17 people in the stands. Or I could go play in Miami where it's 85 degrees and it's fucking lit. So I, I totally get it. And I mean, I know this is, and unfortunately in the sports world, the coasts, teams get all the love and attention i mean every every team you just named was pretty much on either the west or the east coast minnesota's right dab in the middle they've been terrible for a long time um you know and it and this isn't like a great comparison because it is la but when magic johnson and the group that bought the dodgers came in to kind of revamp it I mean, Magic Johnson's a huge figure in the sports landscape. And, you know, granted, people want to come play for the Dodgers. They're an historic franchise, yada, yada, yada. But A-Rod can bring that to Minnesota. Um, I didn't even think about them possibly moving to Seattle. Um, that would be really interesting. But yeah, the current ownership does not want that. But I don't think they – I would be surprised if they did. I mean, they still have a very loyal fan base and the – um, St. Paul, Minneapolis area is a pretty large area and there's not a whole bunch of other big cities close. Um, right. so I, I still think that, you know, I would be surprised if they moved, you know, Seattle is looking for a team, um, you know, ever since the Sonics left to become the thunder. So I like that take. Um, I can only imagine like a Dallas Mavericks, Minnesota Timberwolves game and like Mark Cuban and a rod, like doing some, dumbass fucking thing on the court like at halftime probably would yeah um, well, they, they share a screen on shark tank because a rod yeah their buddies on shark tank you know who who knows what's gonna go on i think the, I think the biggest thing is a rod has money and he wants to spend it and yeah you put it in the in the franchise it's a franchise that needs it guys yeah it's valued it's the 29th most valuable nba franchise there are 30 they're <laughs> not a very valuable franchise and he need he might be able to improve that Who's last? Yeah, who's last? Um, I'm gonna say the Kings, but I don't know. Mm, that would not surprise me. It makes sense. Even though I the Kings Arena know, is dope, their new I know they're like 28-29. The Timberwolves okay. are 28-29. Okay. Um, Tyler, you've been shaking your head. Do you wanna do you need to rant about A-Rod for a little bit? Or I just or I just don't like A-Rod. A-Rod. It's yeah. just it's one of those things, man. I just I did he's just, I don't we could have a whole other segment about A Rod and why I don't yeah. like A Rod, but I just, yeah, I don't like it. Okay. Just We're going to have to, have to... And I can send it to you. Yeah. Trading, you're right. You're right. About, like everything you said was right, but I still don't like A Rod. Yeah. I'll, I, yeah, I'll yeah. leave it at that. I'm going to have, we're going to have to go back to episode like one or two and figure out if he was on my top 10. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was thinking about that. Definitely was. Yeah. Was he? I don't remember. So, uh, good call, traded. Um, other than that, that's what I got for the NBA this week. Um, it'll be another fun week coming up. Um, but James, that's all I got. Another solid segment, Alex. I hope you guys learned something and refresh your memory of what happened last week. This week will be just as exciting as Alex just mentioned. We're going to take our last break of the day. Um, but when we return, Tyler's finally got another segment.
Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for is finally here. Tyler's Oh Damn Moments of the Week are back. I know Tyler's pumped about it. And uh, Tyler, go ahead and take it away. Oh, damn. We're back, baby. Uh, baseball's back. We've had a week and a half or so of baseball. And it was it was a busy week and a half. It was hard to just pick four topics to talk about. Uh, it, it was a great opening week. Um, so much fun. I, I, I can't wait to get into this. Uh, but first off, right off the bat, I want to have a couple of honorable mentions before we get into the nitty gritty. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Joe Musgrove. Uh, through the first uh, no-hitter in Padres history in front of a, a large crowd in Texas. Awesome moment. Uh, for those that don't know, Joe Musgrove uh, is a local San Diego, San Diego kid. Uh, we talked about how romantic baseball is. How romantic is it that the local kid threw the first Padres no-hitter in, in their history? That's pretty awesome. So so congrats to Joe Musgrove and congratulations to the Padres for finally joining the club. They were the only team in baseball that did not have a, have a no-hitter. Uh, number two, uh, uh, your mean Mercedes from the um, Chicago White Sox started his MLB career going eight for eight, which is an MLB record. This guy is absolutely on an absolute tear. Uh, I believe he leads the league or he's close to the top five in hits and average right now. Um, also a great story. He was just like, he, he was a rule five draft pick. For those people don't know that that's like, that's not even like a regular draft pick. He just got picked up, uh, just had a really, really long, great career or, or, or rough career going through the, through the, uh, minor league. So seeing success stories like that is pretty awesome. So hopefully he continues that success in Chicago. And my last honorable mention is Dodgers got their bling. They got those world series rings. Uh, and they are, that, that is an old damn moment for sure. Uh, Alex real quick, just your other Dodger fan. Did you watch the whole ring ceremony? Uh, just your thoughts on the, on, on those rings. Yes, I did watch the whole ceremony. Um, it was pretty awesome. I mean, I think we talk, you know, we talk about how there are players that you just feel like are deserving sometimes to win a ring. Ovechkin, when he finally got his first ring, you know, everyone that is, was just like, you know, other than fans that hate the Capitals, like, okay, he got his ring. That's awesome. I feel like, you know, even for you guys who are, you know, Angels fans, we kind of, you kind of have to feel that way about Clayton Kershaw getting his ring, the smile on his face. If Mike Trout ever wins a ring, I will feel exactly the same way. I'll be like, that guy, you know, will finally fucking deserves it. Kershaw, you know, with the just everything that went on, Dave Roberts losing Tommy Lasorda, you know, it was awesome. Uh, and the rings are super tight. Super great. Yeah, there's a picture of Kershaw when he first got his ring and the look on his face was like a kid in, on Christmas morning. I mean, you just got to love that. Uh, super pumped for Kershaw. He obviously got probably the loudest and longest um, – um, ovation of any of the players, which is well-deserved. Um, so let's move on to the nitty gritty, of uh, these oh damn moments. The number one um, was major league baseball decided to move their uh, midsummer classic all-star game out of Atlanta uh, in response to, to the Georgia uh, voting laws that were recently passed um, by uh, Georgia governor, Brian Kemp. Um, these new laws restrict um, uh, voting, um, to especially just to some uh, minority com communities, um, and it was it was a very he heatily heatily debated topic. Um, it was kind of this. It was one the 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 commissioner of baseball was you know debating whether to move the Oscar game out of Atlanta, Georgia, be because of this. Ultimately, he decided to do that. Um, the Oscar game for 2021 will now be held in Coors Field in Denver. 
Um, so that, so that's going to be held there now. Um, it was a very interesting decision. Um, so Alex, you have the uh, kind of the head on this one, uh, just real quick. I just want to get your thoughts on the decision and, uh, do you agree or disagree with uh, what, uh, MLB decided to do? Um, it's tough because, you know, generally we try to keep sports and politics separate, but it's in this day and age, it's impossible. I mean, tonight, as we were speaking, every team in Minnesota canceled their games because there was another police shooting and they deemed it unnecessary. Like they deemed it not, you know, they shouldn't be playing. It's not what we should be focusing on. So, um, you know, you're right. The Georgia voting restriction law is, uh, was hotly debated. Um, people are upset on both sides for specific reasons. You know, it's now MLB is sort of, it's almost as if they're taking their stance on the, you know, on the side of this, you know, this debate, um, which is fine because, you know, what it kind of seems like is, you know, it is making it harder for minorities to vote, which is one of the reasons um, if you, you know, that Georgia flipped from red to blue and one of the reasons Biden won, um, you know, they, Georgia was kind of the big swing state this year. Um, and now, you know, those Republican lawmakers are now making it, it seems that way harder. It will be, it will be hard to tell what will really happen with that, you know, until there is another election. Um, but at the same time, it loses a lot of money for the city. It, you know, the city and the state that brings in a lot of attention, a lot of business to, you know, small local companies and, you know, businesses. So that is, you know, kind of sad on the other end. Um, it kind of, but I think on baseball's part, what they had to worry about was, okay, what if, you know, Mookie Betts decides he's voted into the all-star game and he decides to boycott it. He goes, you know, no, I'm not going to play. And then that becomes a steamroll and all, all these other players then boycott. And then there's, there's this whole big fiasco. So I think on the part of, MLB side, they sort of got forced into doing it because the all-star game brings in a lot of money, brings in a lot of attention. So they kind of got forced into doing it. Um, moving it to Colorado to be on a lighter side is going to be fun. I mean, first of all, the home run derby in Colorado, I'm really hoping Shohei, the angels will let him do it because Shohei hitting bombs in Colorado would be super cool. Like what if trout and Shohei both do it? Trout's never done it. Shohei does it like an ain't like the two angel superstars battling out in the home run derby, hitting 530 foot bombs in the rare air in Colorado. Um, good luck to Denver and the Rockies on setting it all up in about three months. That seems super tough. So yeah, we'll give them a break on that, but um, it, it, you know, I, in either way, MLB kind of got forced into doing it. The, you know, whatever your views are on the voter, this voter law, can be your own. Um, I just think it's it's it was going to be really tough if case players started boycotting. Um, they can't really reschedule an All Star game to you know to be a two a double seven inning double header the next day like we did when you know players decided to sit out for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so unfortunately, baseball kind of got forced into doing it. Um, kind of a kind of a brutal thing, but hopefully Shohei is in the home run derby so that's what i'm hoping for now <laughs> that would be great yeah it was it was a tough decision i i 
I talk shit on Rob Manfred a lot, and don't worry, I'll talk shit on him a, a little bit later. But I will give him credit for how he handled and went about this decision-making process because obviously, like, keeping the All-Star game where it was supposed to be is the easiest decision or the easier decision. Um, but I think he did a really great job of kind of getting the, the vibe from the players and listening to the players and getting their opinion on it and um, kind of making the decision based off of that, not based on what was easier for him in the league, um, which was very unselfish of him, which I'll give him credit for. Um, so I think that was the way he handled it and the way he went about making a decision, I think was really good. Whether or not you agree with it, you know, that's, that's your opinion. Um, but I, I, I do want to give credit to, to Rob Menfred. Um, and, and the next topic I'm going to shun again. So, so don't worry, it'll bounce out. But um, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty wild uh, um, de- decision there. Um, I do feel for the at- Atlanta fans, you know, obviously uh, Hank Aaron, they're, they're one of their, their best player of all time, you know, passed away not too long ago. Then you lose the All-Star game. Um, you know, their, their opinion of that, obviously they disagree with it. They were hoping to use the All-Star game as a platform to talk about all the issues with racial injustice and all that. Um, so I can see arguments on both sides of why it would have been the right decision to keep it or the right decision to move it. it, it it's a tough one. So can you uh, let us know your thoughts. Um, it, it's a pretty um, interesting one. Uh, so moving on to my next oh damn moment. Um, we got our first little um, scuffle of, of, this, of, of the season with the, the, the with division rivals. The Reds and the Cardinals got into it a little bit. Uh, Nick, Cast, Nick Castellanos. Uh, received a two-game suspension, with his, which he's currently appealing. Um, so just to break it down for you, here's kind of what happened. Uh, Cardinals pitcher Jake Wood, Woodford hit Castellanos on the first pitch of his at-bat. Uh, later on the inning, Castellanos came around to score on a wild pitch by, by Woodford. Uh, Castellanos head first slide into home plate where, where Woodford uh, was trying to tag him out. Uh, Ca- uh, Castellanos was safe by a good amount. Uh, he stood up flex his muscles and scream, let's go pretty much directly at Woodford. Um, and then Castellanos just kind of just walked away and just kind of pumped up his teammates. But then Woodford and uh, Cardinals catch, catcher Yadier Molina, who seems to take offense to everything, uh, went after Castellanos and, you know, kind of in, incited the benches to clear and had this whole fiasco. And Castellanos the whole time is just kind of just walking away, just being like, well, what happened? Like, what's the big deal? Um Ultimately, MLB decided that Nick Castellanos is the one that incited that whole issue. Um, and he received a two-game suspension. As I mentioned, he's currently appealing. Um, so a pretty interesting situation that went down. James, I want to know what your opinion is on MLB's decision to suspend Castellanos. I think it was stupid. Like, the suspension and the fine stupid. Like, you're allowed to have emotion. You're a human being. If you get pumped up, Go ahead and do that. If you're going to suspend and find everybody who has some sort of reaction, you'll be suspending starting pitchers all the time. How often does a starting pitcher, like in the bottom of the third inning or so, they get into like a rut where they load the bases and then they one strike away from getting the inning to be done. And they throw a strike. And with either if it was looking or, you know, the guy whiffed on it, the pitcher has emotion. The pitcher will probably do the exact same thing that, Nick Castellanos did probably flex and say, let's go, but they don't get in trouble for it. I mean, the fact of the matter is he did it because he was emotional. It wasn't, there was no malice behind it. It was just a reaction. The dude scored. He got into home plate. The close guy there was Woodford. All right. Flex on him. Cool. He walked away. Why is he getting 
suspended for it? Why is he being painted as the bad guy as he walked away, did not initiate any physical contact whatsoever? He just kind of did his thing. He got in trouble because the other team got butthurt. That's stupid, man. I agree with you 100%. Um, what's wild about this is, you know, MLB the last couple of years have, has, has kind of had the slogan of called let's let the kids play, right? So kind of, you know, getting rid of these old time baseball, you know, unwritten rules where you can't really showboat, you can't bat flip, you can't show emotion. They're trying to move past that and, you know, have a little bit more emotion in the game, which I think is a good thing. I think that's going to move the game forward. And then something like this happens, right, where Nick Castellanos just, you know, scores on a wild pitch after getting hit by a pitch and, you know, screams, let's go, walks away, isn't trying to, you know, create any kind of situation. And like you said, you're right. It was more Yadier Molina and Woodford's reaction that created the, the benches to clear than it was Cassianos's, uh celebration. Um, then you suspend him for two games. It makes no sense to me. Um, I think it's a really dumb, dumb decision. I think it was short-sighted. Um, I, do not, I do not agree with it at all. Um, I just I think it's horrible. I, I hope Cassianos gets the suspension lifted. I don't think it'll happen, unfortunately. Um, but Nick Castellanos, uh, keep showing that emotion. You know, it's, it's wild because I feel like this happens in the NBA almost all the time when, it, when a guy dunks over a guy and he flexes and screams, let's go, and that's just how it is. And in baseball, that happens, and the guy gets a, a suspension. That's the problem with baseball culture in a, in a, in a nutshell is this, these things aren't allowed, and that needs to change. Um, so hopefully people will start to see that. Um, I had no problem with it. I don't know if anyone else on the podcast had a problem with Nick Castellanos' reaction or not, but – yeah, I think that was uh, – I think it was pretty pretty poor judgment on, on, on the league's part. Um, all right, so moving on to my third oh, damn moment. Uh, Trevor Bauer uh, is currently being investigated for using a foreign substance on a baseball. This is a really juicy topic, and this might go on for a little bit, so just bear with me for a second. This has a lot of history and a, just a lot of things going on. Um, Traden, you're going to kind of help me uh, – help, help the podcast kind of uh, t- uh, t- talk about this one. Um, so just a real quick recap of what happened. So umpires removed a few baseballs from Trevor Bauer's start last week in Oakland uh, and were sent to MLB for investigation. Apparently there was a, a sticky substance on the baseball. Um, this comes after a league memo before the season started announcing that they're going to be cracking down on foreign substances um, on the baseball. Um, many people around baseball believe that Bauer is being sing- singled out um, and this is mainly because Bauer kind of raised this debate a couple of years ago um, and has kind of been kind of the head guy in terms of the players who've kind of been the forefront of this whole uh, foreign substance on a baseball issue. Um, so, and just kind of to recap on that, uh, his, his, his whole thing was that baseball doesn't really enforce the rule of having a foreign substance on a baseball, even though it can dramatically increase the performance um, as a pitcher, you, you can increase spin rate, you can increase a lot of things. And the more spin rate you have, the more the ball breaks, the more, the, the faster you can throw it, all the, all these different things. Um, and he basically pretty much called MLB out and said, if you're not going to force it, then I'm, then I'm going to start using, you know, a foreign substance to increase my spin rate. And that was in 2019 in 2020, he, he, he won the Cy Young, his, his, his spin rate went up, you know, this creates all this kind of, you know, MLB is like, Oh damn, you know, this is probably, the reason why this is, this is going on, maybe we should crack down on it. You know, Bauer gets his big contract, you know, now all of a sudden MLB is trying to, you know, the, the first guy in the, you know, first week of the season that they single out is Trevor Bauer. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, but 
Traden, I want to know your thoughts on the, on this whole um, situation. Um, and do you believe that the league is specifically targeting Bauer on this whole thing? Um, just your thoughts. Absolutely. They're tar- calling him out on it or they're, they're targeting him because he brought it on himself. Uh, he brought it up and made the MLB look like idiots. Uh, he, he, he has said multiple times, he's proven that, that this is a problem. Look, he was, he is getting three to 400 RPM more than he was in 2019. It's absurd. And they haven't, they haven't dropped this year and he's only pitched one or uh, two games, right. Uh, Or one game. Um, But he, like he, the, the issue that I have is that now he's being all quiet about it. He was so verbal about it and specifically against Garrett Cole, who is his like long-term rival back at UCLA. Um, Garrett Cole has obviously been, has obviously done it, but here's my, the bigger, the biggest thing is that it, I would say 80% of, of pitchers do this. I'm, I'm, I would say 80% of pitchers do this and the MLB is not doing anything about it. And um, Trevor Bauer is very, is very vocal. Um, he's very social media esque. He has a YouTube channel. He's he probably has a TikTok. He probably has all this shit, and he he blows it in your face and just shows you exactly what the issues are and how he feels. And and I think the main the main issue is that like he he's the only one that's been vocal about it. Every other player has been quiet about it, and and unfortunately, it's been part of the game. Unfortunately. Um, the MLB is, is trying to punish him because they're, because he made the MLB look like idiots. That's what I think. Um, and I, but now he's being all quiet about it. Like, I, I don't even really like the guy either. Like he's kind of an asshole too. I mean, I, I don't think he's that great. Um, and I worry about him because as soon as you take the, the substance, which it's interesting because, you know, the pine tar has been, has been a thing. Sandpaper has been a thing in the past. I mean, you guys know more about it than me. I did. I watched another 20 minute video on this. Um, what's interesting is I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that he probably has the, the, the best of the best in terms of formulas for this, for this substance on the ball, because he studied it. He, he's almost like the DeChambeau of a baseball pitching in that he studies it. He studies the, 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 the RPMs. Let's look at his stats before 2020. He's average at best. He ain't that good. And all of a sudden he's good with this, with this substance that I think he, I think he's figured out a substance that's easier to, to hide. I mean, some, some guys are putting it on their necks, their, their hats their I mean, it's clear as day. And, and that was before HD, like when now you can, it's, you can't get away with anything. Um, I think the main issue is that they're they are absolutely calling him out because he tried to call the the MLB out. They didn't do anything about it, and he made and he literally admitted to cheating without admitting that he cheated. He he proved it with. I mean, I think in one game where he actually like did the thing for 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 one inning, his RPM shot up, and then he stopped it the the, the next inning, and his RPMs went down to normal. And then he tweeted about it, and basically admitted it without actually saying oh i did that yeah dude i mean they're they're counting him out because mlb is like dude you you're talking about this no one else is talking about this just you and now he's actually doing it so that's why they're tar- they're singling him out because they're make because you don't want to be look like a fool and mlb looks like a fool once again yeah trevor trevor bauer is not afraid to stir the pot that's why a lot of people do not like him 
but he brings up some really interesting uh, conversations and a lot of really good points. And he, you know, honestly, the, he, he's a no bullshit kind of guy. He's like, dude, this is how it is. He literally tweeted out what his ingredients for his foreign substance is. He tweeted it, you know, word for word, like, you know, put a little pine tar, put, put a little this, put a little that. That, that, that's what you get. You know, that's how open he is about this kind of stuff. And also to be clear, like pitchers have been doing this forever. This, this is not a new thing that's been going on recently. Foreign subs on the baseball pitchers have been trying to get away with this stuff for a very long time. And for the most part have, like you said, probably 80% of pitchers probably do this. That's probably a pretty accurate number. Um, a lot of guys have been, you know, um, accused of doing it. Um, and real risk. And the other point to this that I kind of want to bring up is that pitchers for a very long time, have been trying to urge the league to legalize some sort of substance for pitchers to use. That's not illegal. Right. So that they don't, don't, they don't get in trouble and they don't have to hide it because pitchers are doing it anyway, you know? And so it's kind of a similar thing with batters with, they have pine tar, right? So that the pine tar helps them grip the bat, which obviously kind of helps them to, to swing the bat a little bit better than they can without the pine tar. Giving pitchers a certain kind of substance, you know, is beneficial for them as well but to legalize some sort of thing for me, in my opinion, that is the whole reason behind the, the, the crackdown. So I think they're trying to get a sense of what everyone's using and trying to come up with a consensus of what can be legalized. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that's kind of what my opinion on that is. I don't think a lot of pitchers are going to get suspended unless it's how they've been suspended in the past where it's like they get caught red handed. For example, that guy that had the literally had pine tar on his neck, and was doing this during the game like yes. that's that's no and it's shiny that yeah it's shiny like you can't be doing that you know pitchers it's it's pretty easy to hide it um so as long as you can get away with it you know i don't i, I don't i don't see how they can prove that trevor bauer put that substance on the baseball you can you know you can assume you can you know but you can't you know in a legal it's pretty in, clear you know, how are you actually going to prove that? That, that? that is true, but the so, stats don't lie. Right. No, I'm, I'm not saying he's not using – he's definitely using a form. You're right, though. He definitely right. is. You know, I think a lot of guys are. But, you know, I'm saying, like, how is, how is the league actually going to prove that in the legal sense that you use this form – you put this substance on this baseball? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a suspension. There might be. Trevor Bauer starts tomorrow night. We'll see if his uh, RPM goes down or not. Um, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. If he can't do this, are you worried that you're, that you're giving him 40 million and he's going back to a four, 4.5 ERA. I think Trevor Bauer is going to do it anyway. I think he's, I think he doesn't, I don't, if, if, if he gets suspended, let's just, let's just say if he gets suspended and he gets fined for using the foreign stuff, he's going to figure out some other other way to get around it. Fair enough. Um, but am I worried about it? I mean, a little bit, um, just because, like, yeah, as you mentioned, Trevor Bauer was a very average pitcher. Uh, just kind of, you never know what you're going to get. You're going to get good, you're gonna get good Bauer, bad Bauer. You're going to get a Bauer that goes out there, shoves it for eight innings, or you're going to get a Bauer that's going to give up, you know, five runs in two innings. You, you, you just never know what you're going to get. Um, but obviously, he's been very good the last couple of years. He's, his first two starts were very good. Um, so we'll see. Um, Alex, you got any uh, take on this one? Braden, I think you nailed it on the 80% thing. Um, I think there's MLB pitchers that you think of that are wholesome and good guys, you know, that have better reputations than Trevor Bauer does, and they definitely use it. Um, Michael Pineda was the guy with the neck thing, by the way. Um, I don't think – I think he is getting targeted a little bit. He and Rob Manfred do not get along. 
That's no, that's no secret. Um, Trevor Bauer is very unspoken. I've watched some of his YouTube clips. He will call people out on shit. Um, that's his whole thing. I, and, and the, the other problem is with this is the pitcher's the only one that's going to get in trouble, but it, it could be the catcher. It could be an infielder. It could be the ball fucking hit part of the bat that had pine tar on it. Like, it's tough to know. I mean, a couple years ago, we saw a ball in the dirt and Yadier Molina, it hit him in the chest protector and stuck. Yeah. Literally like there was glue. And because that's what catchers do, they, they hide some sticky shit on there because when the ball is in the dirt, it hits their chest protector and won't bounce as far away because it gets it's sticky. So baseball, baseball has a long history of cheating. I mean, you look at the Black Sox. That was 100 years ago. You look at the Astros. That was two years ago or whatever. Well, you know. So it, it's part of the game. I like the idea of it being a controlled thing. You know, batters allowed to use pine tar. They have the rosin. Part of it, too, is like a safety measure. Um, they get better grip on the ball. They can, um, you know, they can locate the pitch better. Um, I don't, you know, no one wants to get hit in the head by a hundred mile an hour fastball that slips out of somebody's hand because it doesn't have pine tar on it or whatever, whatever sunscreen or secret fucking whatever thing they're using. So um, I think it's going to be a storyline to continue to watch throughout this season. Um, it does not surprise me that Trevor Bauer's name is the first one that comes up though. Not yeah. even in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, James, Eric, you got anything else on this one? Oh, okay. So, I mean, this is highly, highly, highly improbable. But what if it's not the pine tar that's making Trevor Bar that good? What if his finger game just got really it strong is. and is now is just He's like flicking it. it? Like, no, he he is flicking it. Impossible for a human to physically do that. He's just flicking a little bit more. <laughs> Love that. Just flick it. Just flick it more. You know. It's like a bop it. He went from he went from twenty third in RPM to first. Yeah, I don't think he's over a season. I don't think he like learned something new. He it's like, is it's like if Usain Bolt gained ten miles an hour more on his sprints. Yeah, it's like there's obviously something going on there. That's yeah. the trade in the comp to Deschambeau. Twenty three miles. The comp to Deschambeau. I mean, I, again, I don't know shit about golf, but what from what I've learned from Eric and you guys, and what what is his nickname again? Like the professor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He Trevor Bauer studies the game unlike anyone else I've like followed closely enough. Like he has all these color codes for what his body does. He it's extremely scientific. So if there's one person I think that could change their spin rate, it is Trevor Bauer because he pays attention. Where guys like Kershaw don't really pay that much attention because they don't have to because they've been so good for so long where Trevor Bauer has been mediocre for the first eight years of his career and then now has picked it up. So it, he is, he's, he's probably, and most definitely is using something, but he granted is doing at least some of the, the work to figure out how to improve his spin rate. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's a very interesting topic and we can talk about it for a very long time. Um, I, I think it's super interesting. I'm really curious to see what Emily's going to do with the whole Bauer thing. I'm, I'm waiting every day to see if they're going to make some kind of decision. As I mentioned, he's starting tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens. Um, so moving on to my last oh damn moment. Uh, I'll preface this by saying it is extremely early. Obviously, everyone compares the baseball season to a marathon. 
we're literally at the point, you know, two seconds after the, the gun goes off the starting line and everyone's still walking because it's so crowded. That's where we're at right now. But there are a few teams that are off to some really hot starts and some teams that are off to some really cold starts that may not have been expected to do so. Uh, so I want to start with the, the teams that are hot. Um, the couple nationally and couple in the American League all entering today had a six in the record and are either in first place or tied for first place in their divisions. And that is the, the Reds, the Phillies, the Angels and the Red Sox. Um, so these are all teams that were, we kind of discussed in our, in our, uh, preseason, uh, segments that, you know, were either, you know, we didn't expect them to do much at all, or we're kind of a, a fringe team. Maybe they could do well, maybe they won't. Um, so I'll start. So Eric, you're going to help me out with these of, of those four teams that I mentioned off to pretty good starts. Um, do you see any of those teams staying hot and potentially fighting for a, a playoff spot? or make the playoffs at, at, uh, by the end, end, of the, end, end of the season? I would say I'm more confident in the two American League teams that you mentioned, the Angels and the Red Sox. Um, first off, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but shout out to the Angels fans who threw the trash can on the field when they were playing the Astros. Um, Love that. Because fuck the Astros, they're straight trash. They're cheaters, and they deserve. We should start a petition every every like road game this year. Trash cans must be thrown on the field when they are in the arena or ballpark or whatever the fuck you call it. Um, Angels are finally showing that they could hit and pitch at the same time. Uh, let's hope that they can keep that trend. They beat the Astros in the their second series of the season, and usually the like first time they play the Astros, the last like four years they just get mollywopped. So that's a good sign. It, like you said, it's really early. Dylan Bundy is in the top four list so far of quality starts for pitchers in company with second rank Kershaw, um, and Jared Walsh is in the top fifteen of the batting list. Um, another guy, Junior Guerrera, is in the top ten pitching stat list for them. So it's really early. Um, they're just, it's, it's way too early, but it's always a good sign when you, when, when they're actually doing okay. Uh, Red Sox, they swept Baltimore and they proceeded to sweep the Rays. Um, and they are second in the whole league in runs scored. JD Martinez, fourth in batting average, first in home runs and first in hits. So the bats are going well for them um, and they've shown they've done it before. So I, I'm not too worried about the Red Sox. I feel like they had a terrible season last year. So anything's going to be better than that. Um, the Phillies actually are looking a little promising too. It's fucking, it's only nine games in, but four and two against the Braves, two and one against the Mets, uh, two teams that we said would be good. So maybe either we're wrong or the Phillies are actually good or both. Um, but so far, the pitching has been solid for them. Connor Brogdon ranked number one in wins. Um, and then they got another pitcher, Jose Alvarado's in the top 15 for wins as well. And the last hot start team uh, that you mentioned, the Reds, uh, the bats and offense is clicking for them. Tyler Nakeen, uh, second in RBIs. Naquin. What is it? Naquin. 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 Tyler Naquin. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that's a tough one. That's though. a tough one. Yeah. Second in RBIs, uh, 14 of them so far. He's also third in home runs. Nick Cast Cast Castellanos. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Come on, bro. I said it earlier. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I heard you say it earlier, and I'm like, that's how you say it. He's ranked 11th in batting stats, and Jonathan India ranked in the top 15. So they got some good hitters and good batting going for them so far. I'm, I'd say I'm throwing my confidence in the Angels and the Red Sox of those four to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I like that take. It's it, 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 it's a tough question because, as you mentioned, it's very early. We're nine games in a 162-game season. Um, I think the team that has probably the most pressure on them to perform, I think, would be the Phillies. They've spent a lot of money in free agency. Um, I think they need to win now or they're, they're going to go through a, re, a second rebuild. Their last one didn't really work out. So, you know, the Phillies need to win. Um, in terms of you know keep, keeping their fan base ha- happy and just the amount of money they've, they've been spending, um, those other teams you know they don't got much to lose. Uh, I, for me, I, the Angels, you know I kind of like this team. I I think that you know I was fifty fifty on them to, to start the season, but what I've seen so far I like. Um, if they can continue to pitch the way they have, um, I think they'll be pretty solid. We've always talked about the Angels pitching. That's that's their Achilles heel. If they can fix that, they're going to be pretty good. And I think this division is very winnable. Uh, the, the Astros are also off to a hot start, um, but we'll talk about the A's a little bit in a second, but they're not off to a good start. So I think that that division is winnable and the American League wildcard race also is very winnable. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be that are going to be uh, vying for that spot. So the American League, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a way it's way more open. The, the Reds, I honestly don't think they're going to keep this pace. I think that they're going to they're going to fall out of this one point. I think the Cardinals and the Brewers and the division are just much stronger. Um, that division too isn't that strong, but I just think that they're not going to keep that pace. Uh, so moving on to a couple of teams that have been uh, a little bit cold to start off the season. Uh, the Oakland athletics uh, are three and seven. They, they did take two out of three from the Astros, but they started off one and seven to start the season. The worst run differential. They're making me look like a real dumbass more than I already am because I picked them to win the division. Uh, so they're not off to a good start. Granted they're, they're opening three series, pretty brutal Astros, Dodgers, Astros again. Um, but, you know, still, still starting off three and seven, not a good start. And then kind of the, the whole American League East division is like little, almost a mirror image of what we expected it to finish. So you, you, got, you got the Yankees and the Blue Jays there at the bottom at, 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 at four and five, um, not, not the great start, great start there. So kind of the same question, but the opposite way. Do you see any, any of these teams staying cold and not being able to uh, turn the season around? <sighs> it's it's so hard it's like what you said earlier we're literally nine games in yeah um i'm gonna go off your other question if i could pick two teams to put confidence to turn it around it's going to be the a's and the yankees um the a's we all said they were going to be a lot better um so far it's only nine games one of the lowest eras 6.39 bad pitching is means bad team means bad record means no wins. Um, but that's only, like you said, you got to take in consideration Astros, Dodgers, Astros, that's tough. Um, so we'll give it some time. You know, they're going to play some other teams that they probably match up better against with. Um, I have, I have a feeling they'll turn it around. They got the guys that can get it done to do that. Yankees, uh, the only thing that is good for them right now is their pitching. Actually, their pitching is pretty solid. 1.73 ERA, um, but they don't really got the bats going. Plenty of time for them. I believe they will be okay as well. They have some weapons. Usually it seems that hitting isn't their, their biggest issue, but lots of time. I think they'll be all right. 
Blue Jays, we all were optimistic about them. Um, but you can see they're still a young developing team. Um, they did score two touchdowns on the Angels over the weekend. Um, beat them 15 to one. So two touchdowns and a two-point conversion, James. Um, but, well, one two-point conversion. But, uh, you know, they could have used all those runs in other games and maybe they'd have a better record right now. Their one positive is Steven Matz, uh, 1.46 ERA. So they got one guy who could pitch for them right now, but they need more. They're just a young developing team. They kind of remind me of the Angels a few years back getting all these guys out of their farm systems. We'll see how they do. I don't have much confidence in them as I would the A's and the Yankees. Yeah. Again, tough question. As I, as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's so hard to tell, obviously, you know, the A's did not look good, but taking that last year's from the Astros kind of helped me kind of spark confidence back in them again. Um, Yankees and Blue Jays, I, I, I think they'll both turn it around as well. I, I, I think all three of these teams will be contenders. Um, you know, they're, they're just off to, you know, slower starts. Um, Blue Jays are dealing with a lot of injuries. Yankees, I just feel like always get off to a slow start. It's just kind of their thing. And then they eventually, you know, pick it up. Um, A's are probably be the team I'm most concerned about just because I was already, it was kind of a stretch for me to pick them to win the division. I just don't like the Astros. So I was just hoping for some team to be better than them. Um, but they're pitching they're pre every asset of their game to start off has not been good, but I do think that they will clean it up. Um, so hopefully that, hopefully that happens, but yeah. So early off in the season, uh, got some oh damn moments there for you guys. Uh, we'll be coming with these, you know, every, every few weeks. Uh, this was a, obviously a busy first couple, couple of, or first week of the season. So there was a lot of topics to talk about. Um, but yeah, James, that's all I got. Thanks Tyler. Uh, just for everybody who's keeping track, the Padres are still within 10 games of the Dodgers. So I'm still <laughs> on track to win 50 bucks. Mm, <laughs> So far, so good. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. That wraps up episode 42. Please give us a follow on social media. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a, a review, a rating. Give us a sponsorship. And yeah, hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week.